Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everyone, and happy St. Patrick's Day. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Massive show heading into the weekend. Coming off a tough shutout loss for the Jets at home to the Boston Bruins last night. We have a lot to get to coming out of last night's game as well as looking ahead to a monster matinee tomorrow with the Nashville Predators hosting the Winnipeg Jets. And then Sunday night in St. Louis to take on the Blues. The Jets three points up on the Calgary Flames right now and holding down the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Um, We'll get the latest on the Jets, hear from Rick Bonus from this morning as well as after last night's game and talk about it all with Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Ken Weave of Sportsnet as well. And a little later on, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton will come by with a full update on everything happening around NFL free agency. And it's Friday, St. Patrick's Day. We will, uh, well, I don't know whether we'll crack a beer, but we will definitely drop the marbles with our Friday marbles race coming up a little bit later on. Make sure you're with us live on YouTube around quarter to three for your chance to enter. Um, this is before we bring in Michael Remus. A big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Coolbet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and uh, lots to get to for uh, Why Not Question of the Day for Not Auto Corp over the Waverly and McGillivray. Michael Remus, what is up? Ready for the weekend. Woo! St. Patrick's Day, right? Big night coming of green beer equals green teeth, green tongue, all for it. Let's go. (laughs) Could be green face tomorrow. Uh, Govern yourselves accordingly on St. Patrick's Day because, of course, a big hockey game tomorrow afternoon. One o'clock start, the Jets and the Nashville Predators. And, um, you know, we'll talk more about Nashville a little later on, but as far as the scoreboard watching went last night... Jets dropping a 3 nothing decision, which we'll get to in a second with the Boston Bruins at home. Meanwhile, the Chicago Blackhawks did the Winnipeg Jets a big favor, beating the Nashville Predators. And uh, the Preds remain four points back. But the Calgary Flames had an explosion of offense in the third period. They waxed the Vegas Golden Knights 7-2. to Big, big win for Calgary. Calgary, with uh, the same number of games remaining, 13 on the season, moves to within three points of the Winnipeg Jets. But I guess to start off, Freeman, we'll talk about last night's game. And I don't know about you. I mean, I thought the team played pretty well. But, man, you can't spot a team like the Boston Bruins a goal in the first minute of the hockey game as the Jets did last night. And, um, listen, I thought there were a lot of positives in the game overall, but right now it is about results. I thought, you know, the Bruins were – they certainly didn't look like the best team in the National Hockey League, but they can sure as hell play with a lead, and they did exactly that in the third period, squeezing the Jets. And, um, you know, it was uh, one of those games that I think – Points were there to be had, but when you start the way the Winnipeg Jets did, and not necessarily a terrible start for the team, I thought they played quite well in the first period. Um, but as they say, when you, you spot a team like that a goal right off the bat, um, it it compounds the challenge of playing against a top NHL team. And uh, unfortunately, the Jets were left frustrated after 60 minutes with nothing to show for an effort. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a trend here, a couple trends. Uh, that was their sixth loss in their last seven at home, and they had been so good at home yeah. earlier in the year. Um, that's a third time this season they've given up a goal in the first minute. However, Dan Robertson mentioned this on the broadcast, and I had to look it up to confirm, not that I don't trust Dan, but I was just double-checking. Um, in the last eight games, they've given up the first goal in the first five minutes five times. And yesterday it was uh, very quickly against Boston. Carolina was just under 437 in uh, against Tampa Bay. The one of those games, well, the Tampa Bay, sorry, they actually won two of these games, though. Tampa Bay, a minute 19 in. Edmonton, they had the two on the power plays. Um, and, you know, I can't really fault them, but you don't want to be taking penalties two games in a row against Edmonton. So it's just a, a weird trend where they keep giving up the first goal and they weren't able to win two of those you know, two of those five times they did. But, I mean, you don't want to put yourself in such a disadvantage early on by taking a penalty in the first uh, five minutes of a game or giving up a goal. You're just chasing the game the whole time. And it seemed like Boston was ready for it. And, I mean, they tried. They had chances. Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, you know, a lot of talking about them coming into the game. I thought they both stepped up, each having six shots on net, leading the team. But you couldn't score. And we've just been saying this over and over again. Oh, they got goalied by Swayman. They got goalied by Marc-Andre Fleury, goalied by James Reimer, who, who I mean, the, and again, the power, and we're talking about trends, the power play outage continues. I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the show. So um, it's just, they played well, process was good, didn't get the result, but it just seemed like a lot of the same issues that we've seen in the last bit just keep occurring and they haven't been able to fix them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what your expectations were going into last night's game. When? I certainly, I certainly <laughs> want, well, no, listen, I, <clears throat> sorry. excuse me, I, I really did think that the, um, there was an opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to match the Bruins, who had been, I mean, listen, let's face it, this team is just waiting for the playoffs to start right now. I mean, they came in at 50 and 11 on the season. Um, all but wrapped up first place in the National Hockey League and first place in the Eastern Conference right now, and had lost three of four, for I believe the first time all season long, or maybe only the second time. Um, and it was also, I think the big question going in was how the Jets would respond to what happened in Carolina, and in particular Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, how they would respond to being um, sat down for the majority of the second period uh, on Tuesday night. Um, I, I thought Connor and Shifley were both engaged. I mean, they both worked hard. I mean, they, what did they both have six shots on net. They were definitely trying to shoot the puck a, a heck of a lot more. But um, as I said, the Bruins were in a really advantageous position right from the first minute of that hockey game. I thought Swayman made a couple big saves. And I'm honestly, the game probably is a lot different if the Jets managed to score on one of those open nets they had in the first period, and Rick Bonus has talked about that in the past, Remo, that you know there have been opportunities for the Winnipeg Jets to score that just haven't gone in. And uh, you know when you are struggling, if you're not making the most of wide open nets, um, it's even harder to uh, do it when the goalie's ready to go. So um, I, I'm not sure that it's a full-blown panic uh, attack for most Jet fans after yesterday. I think everyone knew this team was going to be up against it, and they did show up. They did play hard. Um, but the bottom line is <laughs> they got through this five-game stretch with five points, which I'd said on this program was the minimum 
they could afford to get. Um, they've got it. And now you go in for back-to-back games on the weekend. And we can only hope that the back-to-backs this weekend go as well as the ones in the standings last weekend. Because those are the only two wins the Winnipeg Jets have had in a while. Yeah, we should have seen this coming. Shout out to Al Broderick in chat. He says, we forgot the first game back from a long road trip. <laughs> Narrative. How could we forget saying that one yesterday? But yeah, the Bruin, the Jets outshot the Bruins. I think the power play, I think you got to be concerned. And you're looking at practice day. It seems like they just keep trotting out the same power play one. I mean, you look at the ice time distribution, power play one getting like six minutes. And you have Wheeler passing to Kyle Connor on his uh, strong side, not his one-timer side. And I think it's tough, you know, to score and tough to get the puck off uh, quickly when you're taking the puck. I know they wanted to switch things up. I don't know if that is that is the right switch. One note, the Jets put out post-game notes, Sess. I was reading them. So the power play went 0 for 5. The last time they had five or more power play goals and were shut out. Do you remember the game? Five or more power play opportunities. Sorry, sorry. power play opportunities and was shut out. Yeah, do you remember the game? I'll tell you. Uh, Off the top of my head, no. Okay, you won't remember. November 29 last year versus Arizona. I believe that was Vimelka's coming out party. It was his coming out party. Uh, And I do remember that was a game where he had a lot of, you know, it was a shutout where they really didn't have too many, like, high danger chances. There were some last night. Uh, Connor and Shifley went in tight. Schmidt off the post. Again, five power plays. You got to figure out a way. And it just seems in all these close games lately, it's the power play letting them down. And um, I, I mean, they got to switch up. One, you know, sign that was encouraging Josh Morrissey, you know, who had been injured and made his return. Team high, 31 minutes and 11 seconds. Absolutely ridiculous. He was out today for a maintenance day. I, I'm sh- assuming he's fine if they're riding him that hard. So that, I w- that would be a positive that I would take from the game. And, I mean, they're going to have to give her tomorrow afternoon in Nashville. I'm curious, you know, the afternoon game after St. Patrick's Day in Nashville. What an, <laughs> what an atmosphere that will be. But Nashville helping out the Jets yesterday, losing to Chicago. So, you know, when I, when I saw Boston lost to Chicago, I was like, oh, man, well, they're not going to lose <laughs> two in a row. I mean, you can't. I mean, they're going to learn from that and, and show up, and they, you know, need to score right away. That first goal. I'll say as a tough, you know, deep position. You have four guys on one oh. side of the net, leaving Frederick like wide open. And um, I was looking Hellbuck's what save percentage since January one. It's been like just over nine hundred. Like I can't can't really fault him. I know I've said I don't think he's played terrible. You can't really fault him on a lot of these when this guy's all alone in yeah. front in the slot. What's he supposed to do there? And uh, that was a tough um, a tough breakdown early. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you want to help your goalie, don't leave a guy wide open in front of the net on a quick pass from behind the net um, in the first minute of the game. And listen, I thought Hellebuck bounced back. I thought he made some saves. The one thing I'll say, and this is sort of why I maintain that that game was in some ways sort of felt like it was winnable, Reem, was that, you know, the first line of Boston, which has been so dominant all season long, didn't really seem like they were that impactful. Um, you know, certainly the Lowry line, I thought, did a good job at times, you know, keeping the puck in the Boston zone and cycling and, and taking it to the net. But I also think that it was somewhat um result of where the game was at with the Boston Bruins playing with the lead. And, you know, you saw the way a team like that that knows how to win 
night after night after night is able to play with the lead. And, um, you know, as much as the Jets tried, they didn't have a lot on uh, Jeremy Swayman until maybe the last sort of five, six minutes of that third period. And it's credit to the Boston Bruins for what they've done all season long. I don't think it's necessarily a surprise. Um, but as I said, you know, it wasn't like the team stunk it out. And it wasn't like they didn't show up. But if you want to beat a team like Boston, you really need to have a few things go your way and play a great game. And obviously, it wasn't quite up to that level. All that being said, and we'll hear a little bit more from Bones on last night's game and talk about this, we do get into an incredibly important week, to say the least, for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, this past five games was the meat grinder. Minnesota, Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Boston. Well, now... It's the Nashville Predators chasing the Winnipeg Jets Saturday afternoon. St. Louis come back home for one game against the Arizona Coyotes and then the Anaheim Ducks in California. All four teams on the schedule over this course of the next week outside of the playoff line. And the Jets, who were very good in the first half of the season, making the most of opportunities against teams below them in the standings absolutely have to get on a bit of a streak. And, you know, after that game against the Ducks, they do play a Saturday afternoon game against the Los Angeles Kings next week. Couple days off the Sharks, couple days off home game against the Detroit Red Wings. So essentially over the course of the next two weeks, the only team in the playoffs that the Winnipeg Jets are playing is the Los Angeles Kings. And, um, as I said, I think they did what <clears throat> the absolute minimum to stay where they needed to be over the course of these last five games. Um, if, but if this team is going to make the playoffs, they need to make the most of these opportunities and start a bit of a winning streak tomorrow afternoon against the Preds. Yeah, we've been tracking the money puck playoff odds all season. And, and at one point when they were in first place, it was like over 90%. And with that loss yesterday and Calgary's win... The gap is closing, and it's at 57.6%. 57. I think you were on with Frank Saravalli today. Great appearance on Daily Face of Life. He was saying 60. Even Money Puck has even, even less. And I, I think that can change with a snap of the fingers if you win against Nashville. But now you're chasing Calgary. You do have a game against Calgary. So these four-point games, just massive. And as you said, I know Nashville's got a tough schedule, So and they've I still don't think they're going to do it. Calgary seems to have a lot of some talent, but they just haven't meshed this season. Nazem Kadri starting on the fourth line yesterday, and Huberto just hasn't followed up last year's uh, you know last year's huge season. But the Jets here, as you said, Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, Anaheim, four in a row against teams not in the playoffs. Um, this is again big, as you said. We thought the last stretch was big against teams that are in. This is where they got to make all these points back, and we'll have to see if they they can do it because the second-half Jets team does not look like the first-half Jets team. I don't know what it is. Is it they're not playing They're you know not playing aggressive style, not getting the same performance from Connor Hellebuck? Uh, the bottom line is they're not really scoring lately, too, and they've given up too many at times, and it's just they've been playing 500 hockey, which is, you know, the reason why they're in a playoff spot because they were so good at at the beginning. So, uh, yeah, I, it'll be. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I I certainly think the teams played better over the last two weeks. I mean, you know, basically dating back to San Jose. Uh, yeah, from last Monday up until now. Um, could they have 
you know, maybe deserved another point. Certainly, you know, I mean, they had one point out of four between San Jose and Minnesota, and they probably should have had all four. You got those two wins on the weekend in Florida. Um, and I think going into the games this week, they felt like they were in a pretty good position and had done what they needed to do. Um, but they weren't able to get anything else against Carolina or Boston. Um, and I think you can probably handle that if you were kind of looking and predicting wins and losses. Those are two of the toughest games on the schedule the entire year. But it's coming down to this next stretch right now. And as far as the Calgary Flames go, Flames, even games with the Winnipeg Jets, 13 remaining. This is what their schedule looks like. Um, they've got a home game tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars. All of a sudden, Jet fans will be big Dallas Stars fans. Monday night, they're in L.A. Then they get the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday. Then a three-game homestand against Vegas, San Jose, Los Angeles. One game out in Vancouver. Back home for Anaheim and the Chicago Blackhawks. And then a game that could end up basically being a playoff game. At Winnipeg, Wednesday, April 5th. The Jets' second last home game of the year, I believe. And uh, then at Vancouver, home to Nashville, home to San Jose. So Calgary's got a number of these below the playoff line teams on their schedule as well. Um, there's no room for error right now with the Winnipeg Jets because, of course, if uh, if it does go the other way and they stay as a 500 team, the Calgary Flames are going to catch them right now. So, you know, it's not good enough to go two and two over this next little bit. Uh, they need to start stacking up points and they need to start it now taking on the Nashville Predators um, tomorrow. Let's get a little bit from uh, yesterday, and we'll talk more about what we heard today from uh, the Winnipeg Jets, Remo. Um, and Sean Reynolds went into the dressing room, and I think the, the the sentiment from the players were that they weren't disappointed with the overall performance of the club, um, just disappointed they weren't able to beat Jeremy Swayman and obviously disappointed with the results. Um, Randy asked Bones if he agreed with the, the players' sentiment that um, they played a pretty good game against a hell of a hockey team. With the sense from your players is that they played well enough in that game that it could have gone the other way. Are you in agreement with that? Yeah, it could have. I mean, a couple of goal posts, two and ones. We missed a couple of tap-ins around the net. Um, yeah, we could have. We probably you got to put those pucks in the net. Uh, the opportunities were there. Their goalie was really good, and uh, we didn't capitalize on the chances we gave them that they gave us. And the worst thing you can do is fall behind one nothing, 50 seconds into the game. So against a team that's going to sit back and they've got a big, mobile, physical defense, and uh, it's hard to get to the net on those guys. Yeah, Bones nailing it. I mean, uh, giving up that early goal in the first um, first period, the first minute of the first period was um, the worst possible way to get off against a team like the Boston Bruins. Um, Bones expanded a little bit more on the fact that they continue to play well but are not getting the results, which is really what counts at this time of the year. I'll just capitalize on those chances. It's just the last three games here. <laughs> you know, we've had enough chances to score and we haven't. It's as simple as that. Um, if we're not create, generating those chances and generating those shots, then yeah, I'd be very, very concerned. But uh, we held a very good team to very limited scoring chances, limited shots. Uh, but again, you, when you get those opportunities to score, you gotta, you just gotta go in. Rick. All right, there's uh, some of Rick bonus from uh, from post uh, post game yesterday. Um, 
obviously there won't be too much dwelling on the Boston game because uh, the legit biggest game of the year now is tomorrow against the Nashville Predators. And uh, Bones uh, talked quickly about uh, looking ahead to the afternoon game at Bridgestone. Both teams will be very desperate. That's, that's the mentality is going to be. There better be a lot of a lot of urgency in on every shift and every every detail that we talk about uh, the urgency and the desperation. It has to be there. All right. So there's Rick Bonus uh, last night post game. Now, um, as we talked about, um, you know, in a tight game like that, with limited scoring opportunities, five power plays for the Winnipeg Jets with nothing to show for it was uh, a big, big factor in the game. Uh, Bones talked a little bit about the uh, power outage on the power play. They had some good looks. They, they did. You know, we had 10 shots on net and a couple that they blocked. Um, but the, you, know, the, you get five opportunities, well, four and a half, but you, you, need, you need the power play to put one in. They had, but give the goalie some credit. He, he made a couple of saves there they didn't see. I know Mark's shot was going in. He just stuck his arm up and he hit him. It was one of those nights for him. Uh, we had a couple of tips that, that could have gone in. So, uh, so it was good. Does it have to be better? Yes. All right, Bones um, on the uh, on the Winnipeg Jet power play. And one other clip, and this is going to take us to some of the audio from today. Ken Weeb asked, um, asked Rick Bonus about uh, the current status of Pierre-Luc Dubois. What are the chances Pierre-Luc would be ready for the weekend game? Uh, I can only hope <laughs> at this point. Uh, a little ominous and strange, Reem. Uh, th- this whole situation with Dubois was the lower body injury came back then an upper body injury they thought he'd be able to they thought he might join the team on the road trip that didn't happen they were expecting him to play last night that didn't happen um and it really does seem like it's a big question mark of a guy that they could so use in the middle especially in games like they just played this week against top teams like Carolina and Boston yeah um you know he's a big guy Top six forward, center, plays on the power play. I mean, can score. He's really slow, you know, kind of slowed down here in the second half. A lot of it, you know, he hasn't played in the last stretch of games, but he got off to such a hot start this season. And what, he had the lower body injury and then he got re-injured, but it's not the same injury. Um, You know, they haven't really, you know, come out and said what it was, which has led to a lot of speculation here and online. Maybe Ken and Scott can shed some more light on it, but... Um, you know, asked about when Brick Bones Bonus says we can only hope. Like, I don't know what to make of that comment. Like, is he going to be ready or or not? And what's the t- what's the timeline here? Which is, you know, when you hear that combined with his comments today. Um, well, let's play that yeah. right now because okay. th- this was, I guess, it's number eight on the list. Sure. Um, Kelly Moore. Uh, of 680 CGOB asked Bones, um, you know, essentially about what the situation with Dubois was uh, as the team heads, heads out on the road. This is from this morning. Uh, if if this was a playoff game, so-and-so would play. So from that perspective, if Pierre-Luc Dubois is even close, will that be more of a consideration than it might have been for game 65 or 66? Yes, but again, we're not going to put him in a position where he's not 100%. Uh, as long as he's close and feels that he can help the team, then he'll play. If he decides that he, he, he couldn't get through a game, like that's the danger you run of, uh, of somebody who's playing with a slight injury, that, the, that they don't get through the game. 
Uh, so we, we listen. We're going to leave it completely up to him. If he feels he's he's 100% or close enough that he knows he can not only play the game but finish the game and make a contribution, then uh, we'll certainly let him play. But that 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 call is going to be made by him, not by us. All right, so there's Bones, and, and there's plenty of speculation, Remo. Uh, and listen, you know, they don't disclose injuries, so people will, you know, kind of try and take what information they have and, you know, apply it to the situation. I know a lot of people thought that maybe this was concussion-related or concussion protocol, but, I mean, you don't leave that up to the player right now. So I think it's pretty clear, and we'll talk about this with the guys, that this isn't uh, a head injury. This is something else that is bothering Pierre-Luc Dubois and unfortunately keeping him out of the lineup last night for a game that they really could have used him. Yeah, I'm look, I'm not a doctor and I'm just going to sit here and speculate about injuries. Like I we don't know what it is, but he says so he said that they'll leave it up to the player. Does that mean that the team's doctors have cleared him to play, but he's not comfortable playing cuz he thinks he's going to re-aggravate it? That's why he said they want to make sure he can finish the game, but they're leaving it up to him. Like normally, you know, you'd see you have like a broken bone or something. The doctor said, okay, you're healed. You're ready to play. And it's a situation where they're saying, okay, you're good to go. And he's like, uh, you know, I don't feel good to go, even though you're telling me I'm good to go. And again, this is pure speculation based on what the coach is saying. So um, I don't know what to make, what to make. You're saying, you know, there are other people saying, no, that doesn't mean, it's a concussion, but I don't know how you can say what it is because one, we have no idea, but um, it's just, uh, it, I don't think you've ever really heard a, it saying it's going to be totally up to the player. That is the part where you're like, what? Well, uh, you know, there are injuries at times that come in where, I mean, the team is like, hey, this is not going to get any worse. If you can go, you can play. I mean, they're not keeping them out because yeah. it'll hurt his future or, you know, potentially knock him out for the rest of the year. This is the way I, I see it. Um, and maybe it's just an injury that is somewhat painful that they believe that, you know, if he can go, if he can get through it, it's sort of up to him. It is somewhat mysterious, though. And, you know, when you consider the importance of all of these games, um, you know, to be missing a guy that is so important in your top six, in the power play, and in so many other aspects... Um, not what the Winnipeg Jets need uh, to have right now. We'll talk about this with Billet coming up in a uh, in a couple minutes. But here's a little bit more from Bones this afternoon or this morning before the team hit the bird to uh, to Music City. Uh, we'll go with seven Remoa Bones. You know, was asked. Uh, we talked about how important this game is, especially with Nashville right behind the Winnipeg Jets, along with Calgary in the uh, race for that final playoff spot. Bones talked about um, you know if tomorrow's game is basically a playoff game in March. Yes, and every game after will be the same. Uh, we clearly know where we are in the standings. Uh, a couple of teams chasing the national, obviously one of them. So every game from here on in is going to be a playoff game until we see a, an X beside our name that we made the playoffs. But And it would be a huge mistake on our part not to take that approach. But we're not going to let that happen. We're taking every game as if it's a playoff game right now. All right, Rick Bonus of the Winnipeg Jets just discussing the level of urgency that he expects to see from his team beginning tomorrow when the puck drops at Bridgestone at 1 o'clock p.m. Um, Bones also talked about the Predators, who uh, many people, myself included, thought that it was next year territory after they traded the likes of Nito Niederreiter at the deadline to the Jets of all teams. 
they haven't gone anywhere, although the Blackhawks did do Winnipeg and Calgary a favor beating the Predators last night. Here's what Bones had to say on tomorrow's hosts. Well, they've got a, a fantastic goalie. And then you put a bunch of kids in there fighting for jobs for next year, and they're playing loose. <laughs> That's right. But all of a sudden, you're back in the playoff race, and it's more us that have faltered uh, than I blame us for that. But uh, they're right there, and uh, they work hard. But when you've got a goalie like Saros, you've got a chance to win every game. And then when he wins a couple of games and steals a couple of games for you, all of a sudden, your confidence goes up a little bit. All right, uh, and one more from Bones. Let's do 10 here. Um, this goes back to the desperation that I think this situation calls for and uh, the word that we've heard from Rick Bonus a number of times, urgency. He expects to see that from his team tomorrow. You, you hope it gets their attention, but you, the, the final say is on how we play. And uh, I thought we worked very hard last night. We competed, and we had some really good looks. I think that again, I People are tired of hearing that, yeah, another dominant game at home that we didn't score. So uh, the end result is we need to score goals. But you don't score goals unless you take care of the process and you compete. And we did both of those things last night. And uh, according to their coach, Monty, that their goalie had the game of, the, of, of uh, his year. And I think we've heard that a couple of times over the last 10 days. Yeah. Another goalie stepping up against the Jets. Remo just kind of went through all of the goalies that have had that exact performance against this club as of late. And certainly not a lot of puck luck going in right now for uh, for Winnipeg. Scott Billick on deck right now. Ken Weave a little bit later on. Um, just before we do that, got to give a big shout out to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Gang, if you're in the need of a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on this winter, Manitoba Battery has the most convenient and well-priced option in the city. So convenient that you can give them a call or head online to manitobabattery.com. Put in your order time or even the start of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And that sucker will be on your doorstep ready to go in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. No more fighting for a parking spot at Costco. No waiting in line at Canadian Tire. And no more spending money on battery at the big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you and provide you with the best price in town for batteries of all makes and models. 783-8787. Order online at manitobabattery.com or pop down and see Donnie and his great staff in person at 1026 Logan Avenue. Um, our friends at Consolidated Supply are ready for this damn snow to leave and uh, allow us to get back out on the golf course Obviously, they are the leader in irrigation and artificial turf and have been working with the golf industry for years. They can also do that same great work for you on your property. Irrigation services, maybe you're thinking about that dream putting green in the backyard. And while you're doing that, how about a spa or hot tub or maybe a beautiful outdoor kitchen? They have it all. And, of course, they are the exclusive club car dealer in town if you have a need for a golf cart of any type. Pop by and see the gang at 1395 Niaqua Road East. Consolidated supplies open to the public. You can also check out everything they've got going online, including small engine parts and repair at cte.ca uh we have got still a little bit of time for our march wallace and wallace unsung community hero send us an email to unsung hero winnipeg sports talk.com and let us know about 
that person in your life or in your community that's spending hours, whether it be charity work, whether it be extensive volunteering, or just being that go-to neighbor that's always there to help out those in need. Tell us about them at Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. We will pick a winner, and uh, that winner is going to get a autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that nominated the Unsung Hero, and Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that as well for a $1,000 donation to uh, the Dream Factory, of course, which Josh is an ambassador for. Um, and just before we bring in Scotty, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Uh, hey, if you're looking for some non-alcoholic craft beer, mocktails, or great snacks, head on down to Vita Health Fresh Market, where you can also get great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. And with spring allegedly just around the corner, get ready for it, guys, with Ultimate Male Energy. Formulated specifically for men over 35, Ultimate Male Energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health, and more. It's on sale today at Vita Health, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's get back to the Jets and welcome in Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun. Billick, what's going on? It's going. It's going. Looking forward to tomorrow's game. Uh, should be a good one, right? I mean, it's a it's a big game for for both teams, uh, potentially the biggest game of the year. So, well, it is the biggest game of the year right now. Um, and then we're going to be saying a we'll lot see. of that over so, the, next, uh, uh, the next, I think month. so. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, the jets have put themselves in this sort of position where every game is big. Every game is, uh, you know, with Nashville, the way that they've played Calgary winning again, uh, beating Vegas last night, seven to two, um, yeah, I mean, there's no room for error because we've seen what error has, has cost the Jets here. I mean, they had a six-point lead. It's down to three now. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Again, I mean, I was listening to Rick Bonus this morning, and you're kind of like, okay, we've heard a lot of the same thing uh, before. We keep hearing it. Like, my, my issue is we were hearing some of the same stuff at game 40, right, at the halfway mark of the season, 41, whatever. Um, there's 13 games left now. It's time, time to figure it out uh, because, you know, the Jets, I, I, I'm not sure I believe in the Nashville Predators at the moment. Uh, I was just talking to Robbie Stanley from 102.5 The Game there this morning for a, for a video that we were doing for for the Winnipeg Sun. And, uh, I mean, they have a they have a brutal schedule, and, and they're not really built. I mean, this is a team that sold, sold off four guys um, at the trade headline, and yet the, here they are still because the Jets are allowing them to still be there. And, and, and so, you know, the, the team needs to figure it out. I mean, it's time to win. It's time to get the points. It's time not to get mm-hmm. shut out by backup goaltenders. It's, you know, like, I mean, no, no, this isn't any, you know, disrespect to Jeremy Swayman, but the Jets need to find a way to score a goal last night because it's not good enough to, at this point in the year anymore, to outplay teams and not win games, right? Like, this is a time where the process matters, yes, but at the same time, you got to win games, and it doesn't matter. You know, they, they want the process to look good, right? Like, they want it to look good. You want to be able to go in the playoffs playing a playoff brand of hockey. But at the same time, this team also needs points just to make it to the playoffs. And so, 
there's going to have to be a you know a bit of a balancing act of you know getting urgent, getting you know maybe taking some risks and all that stuff until maybe it's a little bit more um, set in stone that you're going to keep that playoff spot. And right now, um, that's not the case. I mean, they have two teams kind of nipping at their heels, and and they need to figure it out. Well, and Calgary had that massive win last night. Yeah. I mean, in Vegas <clears throat> on the road. We were just going through Calgary's schedule, and they've got a lot of you know teams that are in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Um, but so do the Jets over the course of this next week. And, and you know, yep. Scott, I'm interested in your perspective on this. After the disappointment against San Jose, leaving that one point on the table, we were talking on this program about the upcoming five games, the home game against Minnesota, the two games in Florida, Carolina, and Boston, probably the toughest five-game stretch of the entire schedule. And I'd said on the program that this team has to get five. I got to figure out how to at least get five points out of those five games. Well, they did that. Um, yeah. You know, they got the they got those two. The two wins were absolutely massive. Um, they had that one point, you know, coming out of the San Jose game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and listen, I think they it wasn't uh, like they certainly played better. I think in both the Carolina and Boston game to compare it to the uh, a month ago or so. All that being said, they did the absolute minimum to stay in that playoff spot right now. But this next week, to me, playing against Nashville, St. Louis, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, these are the games, that, and of course, yeah. a home game against Arizona yeah. as well. Um, to me, I think that they, 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 not only do they need to win a game, they need to get on a bit of a run. And, I mean, it is a must-win game tomorrow. But I think because they're not going up against Carolina and Boston, they have to feel that if they continue to play like this, they will get those results. But honestly, there's no other option because if that doesn't happen, I, I got a pretty good feeling that the Calgary Flames are going to have their foot on the gas right to the final game. Really, the game here in Winnipeg that could be monumental when it comes to which one of these teams go out. They can probably take care of Nashville tomorrow in a four-point game if they win it, but the Calgary yeah. Flames aren't going anywhere. And I think we've seen, even in their losses lately, they have been... They are ramping it up right now, and um, man, to me, this is just an absolutely crucial stretch for the Winnipeg Jets with very winnable games that they have to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, first you can't get Karel Vermelka next week, right, against Arizona. You got to find a way to beat that team. But you're right. I mean, you need to win both these games this weekend. This it doesn't, you know, you can't even wait to Arizona. Like, mm. there's no excuse for not winning tomorrow's game against a, a Nashville Predators team that doesn't have Philip Forsberg. It doesn't have. Um, Ryan McDonough, like, I mean, this team, as good as they've been lately, I think they've won four of the last five, six of the last ten in Nashville there. As good as they've been doing that, um, they're a team that's not expected to do anything. And that's where you come out here about trap games and all that kind of stuff. Jets can't get trapped. I mean, that, that's, just the, that's just the way it is. You can't get trapped anymore. This isn't the time to play to the level of the team that you're playing. This isn't. This is a time to play the exact same way you played against Carolina or Boston. Clean up some of the puck management issues that ultimately killed you in both of those games and go out and dominate, right? Like you, they need a good feeling in this room because you think about it last night, you, you could see how frustrated Kyle Connor was. Um, you know, some of the other guys that are just not getting it done on the scoreboard, the power play guys who just can't figure out a way to score going over five. 
Um, again, like, I mean, this team has a lot of problems that need quick remedies. They're getting the shots or getting the chances, all that kind of stuff, but it's not going for them. And, and, and so, yeah, like, I mean, you have to roll into Nashville tomorrow and you have to beat them. And then it's got to start from there. So you beat them then you go into St. Louis, you got to beat St. Louis. You have a day and a half between games at that point. There's no excuse for the back-to-backs anymore, all that kind of stuff. Um, probably going to see Connor Hellbuck twice this weekend. Uh, you know, potentially not. We'll see. Never mind. Imagine- oh, I, I, I but, would be stunned if right. Connor Hellebuck doesn't play both games. Right. I'm starting to wonder when we'll see Dave again. Well, I think you might see him Tuesday because mm-hmm. I think you can, think you can maybe win that game against Arizona here, and then play Hellebuck in the games bit on that road trip again because again the Jets. I think they're playing what they have like six of their next seven games on the road, something like that. Like it's the, or maybe five of the next six. Something like that. Either way, they got a lot of road games coming up here. Yeah, five of the next six. Five of the next six. Yeah, like you got to win all those games. It, 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 like every game right now is a must-win. And and you're right, Calgary. I was talking to Wes, Wes Gilbertson this morning, uh, Calgary Sun, uh, Calgary Herald beat reporter for the the Flames for Post Media. Um, and and like he's talking about like it's interesting because like we're doing this video and then and we're talking about you know Flames and the Jets and. Everything is a lot, saying a lot of the same things, right? We don't know which kind of team is going to show up every night. Um, you know, they can't score in the third period. They don't know how to come back from games. Um, you know, but they're having, you know, issues in goal at times and all that stuff. Like, there's a lot of things going on with the Calgary Flames. But, you know, last night they made a bit of a statement in, in Vegas, scoring seven goals, like putting up a touchdown and, and, and converting on the extra. You know, the Jets need to make a statement, right? I mean, Arguably, you could say they made a statement last weekend, but they've now followed it up with two losses. And so, again, as good as they played in maybe Carolina and Boston, it's not good enough, right? Most, like, people, I mean, can, most people can live with losses to the best teams in the league. But with the schedule that's on the right. table right now, these teams that are under the playoff line with the situation that the team is in, um, yeah, there is live, no yeah. excuses uh, right. the opportunity is there for them. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a week from today or say in 10 days from now. Yeah. And the landscape of this playoff race, obviously the other teams need to take care of their business if they want to stay in this. Yeah. But the Winnipeg Jets need to be the team that they are chasing, not waiting to be caught right. and then coming back. Uh, you mentioned the challenges scoring goals right now um kyle connor in one of the most extended funks he's been in for a long time uh mark shifley of course those two guys were benched they spoke yesterday there was a lot of talk about that line right out of the get-go um what did you think about their response last night how they played and the level of frustration right now that particularly kyle connor is having for a guy that's used to seeing that red light go on a lot more often than it has as of late, knowing how much this team depends on him to score. Well, I thought the response was horrible one minute into the game where they got scored on immediately, right? I mean, that's, you know, but then but then they were going, right? I thought they, you know, I made a comment even on Twitter yesterday that, that, that Nikolai Ehlers didn't have a lot of power play time yesterday, but that power play was actually kind of buzzing, right? Like, I thought that power play was buzzing last night. I mean, Kyle Connor gets robbed by Swayman there, and then Mark Scheifele gets robbed by Charlie McAvoy. And it's just like, okay, but, like, those are goals. Like, I mean, in, in most scenarios, those are goals. Problem is, they needed to be goals, and they weren't goals, right? Like, if, if one of those two scores on that sequence, the game is completely different, in my mind, because the Jets get the momentum. <clears throat> they, get, 
they break the duck. Maybe if Kyle Connor scores, I mean, that gets the monkey off his back. Like there's a lot of those things, right. That, 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 that happen. And uh, you know, it, it's, I like the play. I like the response to that line last night. But again, I thought that, I mean, the first goal that they allowed, I mean, ultimately won Boston the game. And, and so like, that's, that's a problem. But what I didn't like was the response to them being benched. Like, like, I had more of an issue with the fact that Mark Shifley, and, and you can say Kyle Connor, whatever. Kyle Connor's a leader on this team. <clears throat> He's a veteran. He doesn't wear a letter. And, and, and like, I have a bit of sympathy for Kyle Connor because here's a guy who's still putting up a great season in terms of points. Yeah, maybe his defense hasn't been great, and but he's not scoring goals. And here's a guy that's trying to, probably for the first time in his career, like really kind of navigate a funk um, when it comes to goal scoring. Um, I can understand, and I don't know if Kyle Connor, he, apparently he was asked for, he said his name wasn't on the board, whatever. I have a problem with Mark Shifley not coming out and, and speaking after that, taking the onus. It shouldn't have been on Nino Niederreiter to bring the truth serum after that. It shouldn't be on the new guy to figure it out. Like, like that's where my bigger problem with this team is, or, or at least with a sub, couple of guys, is that accountability. And, like, I know, you know, there's going to be people in the chat and, and online that they, they don't care, right? They, whatever, it's not a big deal. I'm not saying that they had to speak because it's the media asking for them or whatever, but you want to see leadership at this time of year. You want to see accountability. You want to see your leaders. I mean, Mark Shifley, there, there's no captain on this team, so – you know, if it's if there's three A's, they're all captains at this point because they don't have a, a like a guy wearing the C. Mark Shifley needs to come out. I don't care if he's pissed off. I mean, that's exact. Come out and show that you're pissed off. Be upset about it. Right? You should like, be pissed show, off. You just got exa- exactly, exactly. <laughs> show that. Uh, who cares about a headline, Mark? Like, hmm. are you really worried about some clickbait? I mean, be more worried about the fact that you got benched for 12 minutes didn't get a shot attempt on goal during the time that you played up to that point and 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 be upset about that don't be upset about whatever we're gonna write or what might be said or what headline there is like that that's 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 the part that i think is still sinking this team is that like it, it, it's so shell- selfish for mark Sifley to not come out and 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 take the brunt of that it should not have been neo need writer and maybe Nero Niederreiter is the most equipped guy to do that because I think he was. I think what Nero Niederreiter said was completely brilliant. I mean, it, he comes it, out. Listen, he, he we, we said that chin. yesterday. It was a hell of yeah. a lot better than we would have gotten from any I, of the I, other I parties involved. Of course, yes. But I, I agree with you. But um, do you need to bring the guy out that 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 is the center of that line, That that's the key cog that's been here for the longest of almost everybody else on this team? He's, he's the, the face of this franchise, if you want to say it, whatever you want to say. That guy needs to come out and show that he's got some, I don't want you want to call it balls, whatever. Come out and 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 face the music. And that's been a problem. Like I think this team was very accountable early on. And somewhere along the line, some of these guys have, have forgotten that they need to be accountable to to the team, to the performance, to to the effort on the ice. And when you get benched as a top line center. Do you think that Steven Stamkos was was, was 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 dodging his media responsibilities after? It's not even about again. It's not about us, but you have, you owe it to the fans to explain what the hell happened that game. And and again, I think that just it breeds the doubt and the seeds of doubt in this team. That they is it any different than last year? Are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to tank like they did in 2019? Like I don't I don't know. And but I I, I at the end of the day, I think there was no reason to, for for us to be having to ask questions yesterday about this 
ahead of a big game against the Boston Bruins. That should have been done. Mark Shifley knows better, should have done it, should have figured it out. Um, didn't. Well, I'll say, and let, then let, gave let, up, me, yeah. let me say this about that, is <laughs> that it was a real, it was a missed opportunity for Mark Shifley. It was. To get to get up to stand up to show accountability to be and, and, and listen, it's one thing to say it to the fans through the media. I think it's also important as to what that says to the rest of yeah. the team. Like, I, I, I still I, the fact that it was Nito Niederreiter that went out there and said all the right things. And notice how Bones also mentioned that when they were stapled to the bench at that point. Nino was, was the guy that was still being loud, was being, you know, was it was injecting that energy, was supporting his teammates. Um, uh, honestly, I mean, the whole thing with Shafe, it feels like a guy that's feeling sorry for himself, and yep. that's not going to win you hockey games. That's, Ooh, that's not going to make the playoffs. Well, yeah. it, 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 it is. It is. It's and like I said yesterday, you can get past a lot of that if you go out and dominate the next game and put a team on your back. Um, they yeah. certainly tried to do that, but really, when you talk about the leadership group in the most adverse times of this season, there's one guy that stepped up. It's been Josh Morrissey. He's done yeah. it on the ice. He's done it in front, and that's why I think most of us would agree that it's a fait accompli that he is the next captain sure. of the Winnipeg Jets. But um, I think it was an opportunity for Shifley to really show leadership and and yeah. and, and to be a guy that says, "I am a leader. I am. Uh, we need to be better." Um, I don't think we would have gotten as thoughtful, honest comments as we did from Nito Niederreiter. But at the same time, uh, it you certainly would prefer. And if I'm the head coach, I certainly would prefer. And listen, Bones had some interesting comments yesterday about that as well, Scott, when yep. he was asked about the players not speaking. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 they're adults, I think, is what he said, right? I mean, it's up to them to do it. And and it is, it, you know, like it's not, it's not up to the head coach to always cover for these guys. And I know that this team has in it has been, you know, in some ways blessed with a head coach. You know, for some of these players that that would control the narrative and 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 you know they could hide behind. Rick Bonus hasn't, for the most part, allowed any of that to happen this year. Um, you know, the players go out and play. The players are the ones that have to motivate themselves. That's their job. Um, yeah, Rick Bonus needs to make them ready, make, do the X's and O's and all this stuff, have the game plan. But it's on the players to get themselves out for a game. It's on the players to be accountable to their own play. Um, you know, I, I think you've seen that from some of the – again, like I look at some of the guys, and we're talking about guys that step up and talk like Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt and, and Nino Niederreiter. Like, but all these guys have played on other teams. All these guys have played on good teams. All of these guys have been far in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Stanley Cup finals for a couple of them. Uh, maybe all of them, actually. Or at least, at least two of them. Um, so, like, th- there is a... They, they, they know, right? Like, they know what it's like. They, they can see the signs that maybe some of these other guys can't see because... They've been here for the whole time. They, they don't know what it's like in other organizations or anything like that. And I just, I, yeah, I, I, I struggle sometimes to understand. And, and, but then I don't, I don't, but I do see why maybe this team struggles at times. Because when it gets to, you know, when the proverbial I don't know, poop hits the fan, right? This team has guys that have stepped up at times. And I thought Josh Morrissey has really broken that mold in terms of 
here's a guy who doesn't get down on himself, doesn't feel the soreness himself. He takes it upon himself to do it. We saw that in those those games. We obviously the pump, you know, the one game where he, he scores that goal after everybody's booing. And, you know, like Josh Morrissey has risen to the occasion, but I still think there's guys in this dressing room with this Jets team that that are in able or incapable of doing that or just don't do it. And and that's a problem when you need guys like Paul Stasny in the past or now need a rewriter to kind of, you know, glue it all back together at times. Like, you know, Blake Wheeler said last week, great quote, right? I mean, you know, good teams are forged in fire and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but the Jets have had a lot of fire, right? I'm not sure they forged a good team out of it yet. I mean, and, that, and that's that's part of the problem. I mean, this team has, has gotten upset because people doubt them in the past and whatever. But we haven't always had a good reason to 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 believe in in and what they're doing, right? And and so at the end of the day, I just I, I think again it, it's it's it'll be a small thing to a lot of people that Mark Shifley didn't talk after the game. But again, I think it speaks to a much larger problem. And I hate bringing this up because it's over and Mark spoke yesterday. But again, I think it speaks to a a, a problem with this team that 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 has permeated for a while. And we'll see how it you know, plays out over the end of the year. But if the Jets end up missing the playoffs, it's just another one of those things where like this team just wasn't mentally capable of, of, of making the playoffs. They have all the skill in the world. And I think we've said that, but, but it's just there's something that's been missing. And, and so there's a big test coming up. This is a huge test for this team because uh, I, you know the last time they were in a playoff fight um, like this, um, in my opinion, was 2019-20, and you know they were going into and the COVID hit, but they were, you know, they beat Edmonton that 4-2 game to keep themselves in that, and and there was a big race with Vancouver, Edmonton, I believe Calgary might have been in that at the time. I don't know what the teams were, um, but yeah, like you know, this is this is a true test of their their mental fortitude because this is this is where you have to keep your wits about you, um, because you you can't let a, a bad game snowball into another one or a good game where you play well snowball into you know uh, bad feelings about about your team and 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 just you know feeling upset and frustrated and 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 not being able to park that and move forward so you know yeah, Scott, i think there's a lot going on interesting so. comment from uh um <clears throat> Dijin carry in uh, in chat sure if this team doesn't make the playoffs it's time for a rebuild and change in leadership both on and off the ice 100 you can't keep believing in what you have if it keeps showing the same results I'm not sure that that isn't necessary, regardless of whether this team gets to the finish line and makes the Stanley Cup tournament or finishes on the outside. I think Josh Morrissey is going to be the culture carrier going forward. But I'm in it again. We're going to focus in on these games and this next run. But I I mean, from where I'm at, and, and this goes back to what I was thinking going into the trade deadline. I mean, I think we know for the most part what this team is. Um, I think we know what this core is right now, and I think it's quite clear, and I'm sure the general manager knows as well, that change is coming, and yep. maybe significant change to that core is going to be some of the surgery that's needed, and frankly, it's going to be forced anyways by the contract situations. Speaking of contract situations, what do you make of what Bones <laughs> had to say about Pierre-Luc Dubois, and like, what is going on with him? I have no idea. I was talking to Ted Wyman's colleague at, at the Winnipeg Sun about it. I, I don't get it, man. Like, I, I so it's obviously it's not a concussion, right? Because if yeah. it was a concussion, they it would not be up to Pierre Luc Dubois to play or not, right? Mm-hmm. If there's a medical procedure, protocol, all that. 
Um, so yeah, so what what happens from there? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, is he injured? Is he not wanting to play while he's injured? Did something happen? I, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to speculate on an injury. I, I don't know what's happened. I've tried to reach out to a couple of people to find out. Um, but yeah, I just don't know at the moment. And and that's kind of it, it. Doesn't sound good at the you know when you when you think about it. I, I'm trying to see if you know maybe. Rick Bonus just didn't say it the right way, but there's not a lot of room for ambiguity in, in what he said. So, um, you know, I know you got Kenny coming on. He's waiting in the green room there. So maybe he has a better sense of it. I, I just don't. I mean, it, it, it to me, I mean, the one way I'd look at it is he came back, he made the decision, or maybe the team made the decision that he was okay to play, and then he, he re-aggravated the same injury, and maybe that's just all that happened. Maybe this time... It's up to him, like, you know, whether it was him that made the decision or not, whoever, to, you know, come back. Does he feel 100%? Like, maybe he tried to come back too early and 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 he wasn't 100%. And, you know, this time they want to make sure because it's really important now. Um, you know, I, I, I try not to think of it as being anything more nefarious than than maybe just that at the moment. But until 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 he's back on the ice, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Is he is he? Somebody tweeted at me. Is he Kawhi uh, Leonarding it? And uh, I don't know. Low I don't know. Management. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm, my. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Can hear I you. think my computer's dying out of power here. So yeah, no problem. Um, but but yeah. listen, Scotty, but anyways, thanks for doing yeah. this. We'll catch up next week as we uh, continue to see if this Winnipeg Jets team can stay above the playoff line with the Calgary Flames and Nashville Predators hot in pursuit. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Good stuff. There's Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, Ken Weeb's coming up. We're going to continue our Jets conversation. Got to give a big shout-out to our friends at Royal Sports for their amazing support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Royal is the sports superstore at 750 Pemina Highway with the best selection of licensed merchandise for sports fans of the Winnipeg Jets, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, National Hockey League, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, international soccer. And there's so much more than just the best selection of fan gear around. Snowboards, boots, bindings, just in time for spring break trips, and the best hockey selection in the city of both equipment, uh, sticks, and everything else that comes along with the great game, not to mention all the cool stuff over on the King's skate, snow, and surf side of things. Pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway or check them out on Instagram. Make sure you give them a follow at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, big shout out to our friends over at F Apparel as well. Guys, you're ready for spring and summer? What's the wardrobe looking like? If you need to up your wardrobe game, one trip to F Apparel will take care of all of that. Custom suits beginning at just $400, not to mention chinos, golf pants, and custom shirts to be worn both tucked and untucked in the best selection of men's accessories around. Don't forget, if you're in a wedding party this summer, talk to the gang at F about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits from F Apparel. And if you have a 2023 graduate in the family, Hook the young man up with the suit to take him to the next chapter of his life. And F Apparel will include a free custom shirt and tie valued at about 150 bucks. Pop down and see him. 190 Smith Street downtown. Online, you can make an appointment as well at F. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And hey, it is St. Patrick's Day today. I know the, uh, the pubs and bars are going to be rocking tonight. 
Uh, but Saturday and Sunday, the place to be for watching the Winnipeg Jets will be your local Boston Pizza. 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon in Nashville, 6 o'clock on Sunday against the St. Louis Blues. No better place to watch the Jets on the big screen with big sound, taking down schooners. Delicious Boston's wings, gourmet pizzas, and more delicacies on the new feature menu over at BP. And hey, if it's too cold, you're not going out. You can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get back to the Jets. Kenny Weave joins us now. Lots to uh, lots to unpack with Ken now that he's back in the city from uh, this road trip that we said was going to probably define the Jets season. Weaver, how are you? What's going on? Great to have you back. Andrew, great to be with you as well. It's a beautiful Friday so far. I'd like to get the temperature turned up a few degrees, oh. but a uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day for beautiful weekend for hockey. Let's uh, let's call it what it is. Yeah, it's you're stretching the truth here. It is not a beautiful day outside right now. It is far from it. I can't believe that this beautiful is day for hockey. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> you remember? You it's remember March, the, Hustles. It's March. We, you remember we the year to... the Jets came back? St. <laughs> Patrick's Day of 2012 it was 22 degrees that day. We spent like we're out on the patio of the ENC till about one AM enjoying beautiful weather. Anyways, there's just another reason to be bent. Uh the play of the <laughs> hockey team, the play of the hockey team. I think there's some there's some good and bad. Uh, bottom line is I said the absolute minimum they could squeeze out of this last little bit was five points. They got it. Um, but obviously not picking up anything in, you know, two relatively well-played games against Carolina and the Boston Bruins um, has just, you know, put them in a more precarious situation heading into Nashville so far. I mean, you were on the road, um, many interesting stories coming out of that road trip, but overall as a team, how would you say the Jets handled this um, daunting task of uh, some of the best teams in the league over the past two weeks? Yeah, Huss, I mean, I think there were stretches of good, for sure, out of that uh, patch of games. I know you mentioned the white knuckle ride on several of your hits with the uh, on the Jets front this week, and I, I would I would venture to say that that white knuckle ride will be continuing uh, for the bulk of these final thirteen, based on what we've been seeing. Uh, I would say the Jets structurally were pretty good against the Boston Bruins. They were mostly good against the Carolina Hurricanes, but the errors that have been transpiring have been costly ones and they've ended up in the back of the net. So signs of life for sure. I would say that, you know, in terms of their process, there have been a lot of steps forward, Huss, but right now those steps forward uh, haven't led to a bucket load of points and the teams below them have suddenly turned the heat up for lack of a better term, uh, pun intended when it comes to the flames, but the Jets are going to need to combine process with results over this next stretch of games, or suddenly they're going to find themselves in must-win territory, literally and figuratively. So overall, I, I think they're the Jets are playing fine, Huss, but the problem is so many teams around them have found a way to elevate their game. And we know this, the Jets, this is not a recent problem, Huss. The first 30 games, 20 wins, 9 losses, 1 tie. Since that time, they are a sub-500 hockey team. And sub-500 hockey does not get the job done, A, for qualifying for the playoffs, B, for making any sort of run in the playoffs if they are able to qualify. That's not to say it's all doom and gloom. I would say 
the Jets had a big response from their top line to the benching, which we know was one of the biggest storylines of the entire week. That line had 16 shots on goal and 25 attempts in a game where they didn't score. And the best chances of the game were generated by A, Kyle Connor, B, Mark Shifley, absolute robbery by Charlie McAvoy, and C, Nino Niederreiter. So if we were looking for a response from that trio, they got that. That's exactly what the Jets got. I mean, I say we as people who watch the team. I mean, we were certainly wondering what was going to transpire. We know the uh, mood of Mark Shifley was much different than the mood of Kyle Connor. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what is, I mean, what matters, it does matter what is spoken, but ultimately what happens on the ice is going to be what determines which way the season goes. I would say each member of that trio did their part in making sure that it wasn't a story that, you know, festered beyond yesterday's game. Uh, we know we've just you've discussed with other people who probably would have gone away a little bit quicker had they spoken on Tuesday. But at the same time, Nino Niederreiter handled himself incredibly well and showed that even though he's been here for five minutes, he's already speaking like a leader on this team, Huss, right? Not not only is he playing like a leader, he's already speaking like one. So is that a positive or does it maybe make it more glaring the lack of that from some other very key, very important players of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not quite as bent out of shape as as some folks are. Would I have as someone who was there with Mike McIntyre and had asked first for Mark Shifley and B Kyle Connor, uh, especially for Mark. Mark's an alternate captain and a guy who wants to be a captain. So to say I don't feel like it, I understand it's not the easiest thing to do or something that would be welcome, but it's. It's part of the job. It comes with the territory. No, nobody wants to be benched. I understand. I, I appreciate his honesty in saying that he was pissed off two days later, and we know he was pissed off at the time. Like that's that's a normal response. But I mean, I, I just put it this way: us. I'm not sure what really matters is how the players feel about it. And well, that's what I wonder, and I wonder how that goes. Uh, I wonder how the the other guys in that room look at that. No, I'm not wanted. I'm pissed off. Let Nino Niederreiter go and do it. That's been here for two weeks. And that was singled out by Rick Bonus for being the one guy that, while they were on the bench, was actually a very positive influence. Was you know being vocal, was trying to you know encourage his teammates. Um, like to me, the vision, like this was a great opportunity for Mark to sort of step up and show that he is a leader and show that. And to me, it's a missed opportunity. But to your point, Ken. And it doesn't really matter what the fans think. Uh, I do wonder how that plays in a room where so much this year was made of accountability and the commitment they made to each other. Yeah, I mean, for me, Huss, again, I would go back to this. I, I'm not sure that every player in the Jets room sees discussing with the media as a key part of accountability. The accountability, first and foremost, is to themselves. Uh, to the crest and to their creed that they all signed after their trip to Banff is would they consider this to be part of that? I, I'm not sure. I certainly didn't have any players come up to me privately or publicly saying, Oh, I can't believe that that player is doing that. I'm not saying that normally that they would. I'm just saying, I'm not sure that it's as big an issue to them as it is maybe to us in the media or to the fan base. I would say ultimately how Mark plays is much more important than what he says but at the same time, I think that was a, a situation where it would have been easier for him to just deal with it on Tuesday rather than 
Thursday, but that, that's my personal opinion. And uh, I don't know how the players feel about that. I, I, I would just use this too. This is not a, a, a comparable, but it is a parallel. This reminds me of the days when Dustin Bufflin was here and he chose to speak, whether it was once a month or twice a month or whatever else. And this didn't happen with any regularity, Huss. It was just one of the situations where I happened to be in a locker around Brian Little after Brian Little spoke when Dustin Bufflin declined another interview opportunity. And Brian Little looked at Scott Brown and said, I'm not doing another interview until Buff gets out here. So is Brian Little in that old school approach? Do the, do the younger players feel the same way? That I don't know. But I do know that at the time, that that's the only reference point I can use. And it's an exaggeration because Mark Shifley speaks a lot more than Dustin Bufflin ever did. But if someone else has to answer for someone else with a lot of regularity, then I would say players would be, for lack of a better term, kind of could get pissed off about it. But I don't think a one-off like this, Huss, where a benching transpires. And let's be honest, this is the third time Mark has been benched in 10 seasons or, you know, 10 full seasons. And then the cups of coffee he had at the prior two seasons. So I would say Mark has spoken more often than he has declined. Having said that, I think it would have been, I think what got lost in the shuffle here, it would have been to Mark's benefit to get the story out of the way on Tuesday rather than, you know, have follow-up columns written on Wednesday and then on Thursday morning when the Jets are preparing to play the best team in the NHL to be speaking about it on a day where, you know, I'm not saying it, it altered his focus, but it was something that he would have preferred to not be talking about on a game day. Yeah, um, well, no, I agree. And I mean, I think it would have been a benefit to the team as well, I mean, to be honest. Anyways, I mean, we could talk about this for a while. I think everyone knows what, uh, the most important response is what we see on the ice. What did you yeah. think of Connor and Shifley in particular last night, considering the extra attention that they had and how important these guys are when they are really struggling to score goals? Yeah, they were they were very good. Like I said, I thought they were among the best Jets players on the ice yesterday, Huss, specifically Connor. And conversely to what you know, Mark was quite curt in his interview with myself, Jeff Hamilton and Paul Friesen, uh, with those guys handling the bulk of the question asking. But it's ultimately how he played. And for me, Kyle Connor was very open. I, I liked his approach that he took to it. I, I liked that he admitted that, you know, for a guy who's been struggling to score and who's used to scoring goals with great like regularity, that it ticked him off that he didn't, you know, when he gets a breakaway, generally he dekes the, the jock off the other goalie. And the fact that Andre Vasilevsky kicked out the leg and stopped him, you know, a goal scorer should be ticked off about that because nothing is ever automatic, but Cal Connor doesn't miss a ton of those opportunities. To me, the biggest difference in Cal Connor's game yesterday, skating better, and he was much more dangerous. We know that he's been getting chances, but they haven't been as looking as dangerous. Yesterday, he looked dangerous, and that's exactly what the Jets need him to be down the stretch run here. We know his goal scoring is down from last year. It's a big dip between 47 and 20. We know that. That's obvious. But he's still over a point a game player. So we can't be standing here and saying, well, Mark Shifley, who has 38 goals, and Kyle Connor, who has 73 points, they're not holding up their end of the bargain. That that simply isn't the case. But during the stretch run, when it's been hard for them to score, those and especially with Pierre-Luc Dubois having been out for so many games in this 10-game block, those guys have to pick up some of the slack. And right now, but let's not forget, Huss, and you mentioned this during the course of the week, Mark Shifley was the best player on the ice for the Jets 
on Saturday night against the Florida Panthers. So it's not like he had a big wide swath of games where he was struggling. He wasn't struggling. He was playing quite well. And then, you know, things kind of went sideways in that game where they were on the ice for three against. And uh, we, we know what the numbers were. No one shot attempt, no shots on goal, 12 against three in the back of the net. I mean, that's, that's, that's no good. That that's not good enough for anyone. You know, there were various levels of blame uh, to go around. And in the game on Thursday, Huss, I'm sure some folks were thinking, here they go again. The line on the ice was the Shifley line. Uh, you know, there was a obvious turnover caused by Charlie Coyle on Nate Schmidt. A bit of a coverage lapse when Bertuzzi gets it behind the net. I think both wingers kind of got sucked down to Bertuzzi. That left Trent Frederick all alone in front. So a bunch of things went wrong in a short span of time. I, I Not specifically, I don't think it was that line's fault, but I think one of the reads was off. And then they responded by playing very well throughout the, the course of the game. So... Now, the fact that the Jets didn't score on Swayman was, I would say, Swayman played great, no doubt about it. But, I mean, if Mark Scheifele's shot from the crease isn't deflected by Charlie Coyle, you know, are we having a different discussion today? I, I wonder about that. But that's to take nothing away from Boston. And, and people in our chat room last night after the game was saying that Boston was disinterested. That that could not be further from the truth. This was a team that was ticked off themselves about having dropped three out of four and no, they didn't blow the doors off the Jets. You know what they were last night, Ken? They were just comfortable. They were but just comfortable, comfortable playing with the lead yeah. for 59 minutes. Exactly. And how many times have we seen the Jets look comfortable when they've led for a strong, long stretch of time? Not enough. <laughs> not not often. Um, I mean, if there was one thing that you, you, you saw from last night's game... I mean, the Jets were working hard. They were getting, you know, some opportunities. But that was a team that just knew that they had their lead. They were going to do what they had to do. And they were going to get out of there with two points last night. And great teams, teams that have been winning, that have found ways to win consistently, instill that in each other. I think have that belief. And, you know, as I said, I mean, I have no qualms whatsoever about the Jets' effort, you know, throughout the game and in the third period. But I just kept looking at Boston and saying, this is a team, like, they don't need Marchand and Bergeron and Pasternak to go crazy or anything like that. They just need to keep doing what they're doing and they'll be fine. And, I mean, um, that was uh, that was why it ended up with, um, you know, they were able to take care of business in their own end. They didn't need to do much in front of Connor Hellebuck because I think in their minds they had plenty of cushion to get to the finish line and get out of the peg with two points. Yeah, and to me, Huss, that, that's, again, it's a compliment to the Bruins that they didn't need production from Pasternak or Marchand or, or Bergeron in that game. They got production from their third line, from their new addition, and then, and then from Pavel Zaka, right? And that's the other thing. Yes, Connor Hellbuck gave up two goals in the first four shots, but then he didn't give up anything else. So to me, Hellebuck took care of his end of the bargain. Was he the second best goalie on the ice? Yes, that's because Swayman played very well. It's not because Hellebuck let his team down or anything like that. Uh, the first chance is a point blanker from the slot with no coverage, and the second one is a shot over his shoulder to a spot where it, it's hard for a goalie to get his glove into that situation. It was just over his collarbone. So people think, oh, well, why can't he get his glove on it? Well, just do it yourself, Huff. How easy is it to get your hand behind your head on a shot like that? It, it's not an easy thing to do. It was a well-placed shot. 
you know, some nights Hellebuck gets it, some nights he doesn't. I, I don't see that as a soft goal by any stretch. And ultimately, the Jets didn't score at the other end. So they needed to provide run support. Uh, you know, the goals allowed, two, two allowed against Boston, that, that was a strong game. But back to the original point, the fact that Boston got the job done without high-end production, I mean, the Jets played the Boston Bruins tough in December also, and then the shot out of the dumping off the stanchion ended up on the stick of Pasternak and in the back of the net, and then the game totally turned around. So Boston, to me, looked fine. I mean, are they in a malaise? I mean, that's what they were talking about at the morning skate. They didn't look like they were in a malaise to me. Do they have another level to reach? Absolutely they do in terms of their skating, but their defending was high end. Like That's how teams lead the league, Hus, by playing a pretty mostly suffocating style of hockey. Yes, sure, they got 35 shots, but the high danger chances were dead even. And they were basically eight all. And most of them from the, were from the outside, with the exception of a couple things. And, you know, Nate Schmidt rattles one off the crossbar. Shifley hits a hits some iron as well. But, I mean, the Jets didn't get to the inside, but it wasn't because of a, will, a willingness, or it wasn't a willingness factor. Boston is so good at boxing out, the Jets had trouble getting to the blue paint. And that's why Swayman had, you know, a relatively easy night when it came to a 35-save shutout. Ken Weeb of Sportsnet.ca and, of course, Kenny and Rennie with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, let's move on and look ahead to tomorrow and this next week. Nashville, the St. Louis Blues, back at home for the Arizona Coyotes, and then on the road with the Anaheim Ducks before an afternoon game a week Saturday against the Los Angeles Kings. Ken, uh, you know, it's one thing, like, yeah, you need a win. This team needs to go on a run right now. Um, they need to take advantage of a lighter schedule considering what they've been. And I guess you could say that if you'd have some confidence that if they played consistently like they have over these last few games, you probably should expect some results. Um, but it's not about expecting right now. It's about actually getting out and doing it. Just your thoughts on the next 10 days for the Winnipeg Jets and how that is going to frame their position going down the final stretch. Well, Huss, they survived the season-defining road trip by winning the first two games and, quite frankly, having a chance against Carolina had they been a little bit more opportunistic. And, you know, I know there's a lot of debate about the wraparound. I didn't like the wraparound goal at all. Um, I understand that maybe there was an issue, but like, get your pa- if the stick is down, you you can still cover off a potential pass. Oh, you talking the about front. Dave? Yeah, I don't think it was Riddick's fault. I just think that that one that goal certainly hurt the Jets' cause. But they didn't. They needed a little better finish at the other end as well. The next ten days are critical, Hus. It, just like the last road trip was, the next ten days are going to teach us all we need to know about the Winnipeg Jets. That's not to say that they can't do anything if they don't play well during the stretch, but the cushion is over. The cushion that was very comfortable, the team that was once battling for first in the Central Division and the Western Conference, right now, it's hard to envision a scenario that the Jets finish anywhere other than eighth in the Western Conference if they make the playoffs. Could they catch Seattle? It's certainly possible, but they will have to go nine and four or some semblance of that or eight, four and one in order to, you know, be really comfortable uh, unless those other teams fall off. And I, I know you had Murad on and he mentioned Dom's strength of schedule and strength of schedule is a good thing to look at in terms of the mathematics. But Hus, at this time of year, what do we know? Those teams at the bottom of the standings are playing super freely. So yes, the mathematics say this, but 
the mathematics would have said the Nashville Predators should have beat the Chicago Blackhawks uh, on Thursday night, and the Boston Bruins should have beat the Chicago Blackhawks as well. So strength of schedule is, is interesting for us to look at. But at this time of year, those teams at the bottom of the standings, they don't care about strength of schedule. They're in next year country. They're playing a very loose and often wide open style of game. And some teams tighten up when they play teams like that. And you make one mistake, it's in the back of the net, and all of a sudden the team tightens up, and then they struggle to score at the other end. So does the does the schedule maker favor the Jets down the stretch? I would say yes. But Calgary has a similar argument. Calgary has the exact same thing. I think they both right, have exactly. four games above playoff teams and nine right. above teams above the playoff line. So to me, it's exactly the same. I, I yeah. And, and listen, I, I'm from a Jets fan perspective. And again, this could be, I could eat my words tomorrow um, based on what happens against the Predators. But to me, it's the Flames that are the number one threat for for that spot. And I know Nashville's got a few more games. Their schedule is tough. That, I understand that. Well, and, and I just think Calgary is, I think Calgary's a better team. I think Calgary's more dangerous. And I think even in these games where Calgary hasn't been winning, they are showing that sort of fight that you'd expect from a Daryl Sutter team at this point of the year and they're not going to go away and we saw a perfect example of that last night against the Vegas Golden Knights when they they really took it to Vegas who right. is one of those playoff teams um scoring four in the third period winning 7-2 um and that's a big big win for a Calgary team that you know has desperately trying to get on a bit of a roll of their own now I did think that there was the possibility going on to that road trip that we could be talking about a team that was tied for a playoff spot. They did leave a point on the table against the Coyotes earlier this week. But Calgary, to me, is that it is the problem. Although the Jets have two, Nashville's the other. They can sort of handle Nashville tomorrow if they take care of business on the road. Um, but put it this way, Ken, I think this is going to be neck and neck right up to that game in early April between the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets here at Canada Life Centre. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Hussey, with one exception. We don't expect Nashville to hang in there, but here's the problem with the theory. We thought that, I think, two years ago, and UC Soros basically put the team on his back and willed them into the playoffs in the in the, in the COVID, or the COVID year, right? So well, I'm not writing them off. I'm just, I think that it, the, it, it's more likely it more that difficult. Calgary is the team that is the team that negates Winnipeg. No, um, I agree with having you. Having a whiteout. I would say the only problem, the only other problem with that is that if that would assume that the Jets take care of business in the head-to-head matchups, because if they lose both, then suddenly it's all bets are off. But I, I agree with you. And here's the thing about Calgary that we know. They've set a record for most times out shooting the opponent by 10 plus shots and losing games. So, and, and I think that another example was that game against Arizona where they lost uh, in the, was overtime, right? So Calgary's an interesting study. They're a team that they're, they've sort of gone in the opposite of the Jets, right? So the Calgary Flames had a bunch of upheaval in the summer, Huss, right? A lot of core pieces in, a lot of core pieces out. A lot of guys starting to try to get comfortable with their new line mates, their new surroundings, all of those things. The Jets had continuity, and that continuity helped them at the start of the year. But now as the year's gone on, the breakdowns are happening, and they haven't been able to elevate Whereas Calgary, whose goaltending has kind of been a little bit suspect at times, with all due respect to Jacob Markstrom and you know, Dan Vladar had a nice stretch at times, but when Markstrom is playing at the Vesna like level he played at last year, 
Calgary's incredibly dangerous. Even though they don't score easily, they've got enough talent on their team. They work incredibly hard, and they make life difficult on their opponents. So I agree with you. They're they're probably a better bet to push the Jets, and that April 5th game, I think it is, is going to be absolutely massive. But the problem with the Flames, Huss, their consistency or lack thereof has been the death knoll of their season so far. The fact that they've stayed in the race, despite being so up and down, is a testament to them. Now for the Jets, take care of their own business. That's all they need to do. If they do that, they should be just fine. But this is they're, they're pushed up against the ropes here. They've been hit with a bunch of haymakers, and now we're going to see if they can punch back or pick themselves off the mat. And this is a big picture issue here. If the Jets don't find a way that we already expect it to be uh, quite a summer. It could be very Flames-like in the summer for the Jets this year, but if they somehow didn't make the playoffs, that process gets accelerated, you know, however many times that you want to use a number to pinpoint it. But should the Jets get in, that's the other part for them. They At this point, it looks like they peaked early. They peaked in the first 30 games. But if they're able to sort of get their structural portion of the game settled in, Oh, their power play was 0 for 5 yesterday. That's not good enough. But they looked like an effective power play in the first period for sure. They had tons of chances. Even Brendan Dillon mentioned it in his post game. What do we talk about all the time? It's not just production, even though production obviously is important. They generated a lot of momentum for their team with the power play. They just didn't convert. So the Jets still have a chance to get themselves rectified and and moving and, and seeing what they can do with that. But right now, Huss, they're looking like they've, they're going to be staring at a date with Vegas or Colorado or Dallas or Minnesota. And, you know, they're going to have to Better play incredible time. No, of course that's, <laughs> that's, of course that's true for them, Huss, but it's, a, it's turning into, it's going to be a daunting task, even if the Jets get in, but that's, sort of they sometimes play their best hockey when they're in the underdog role, Huss. And, and yeah. this year is another great example. You know, expectations were lower going outside expectations. Yes, the Jets' own internal expectations were to put the disappointment of missing the playoffs behind them. But most people had them as a bubble team, maybe wild card. Maybe if a lot of things went their way, they'd be third. Well, now they are in exactly the position that most people expected them to be in. So rather than when the Jets were, when Rick Bonus was talking and you and I were talking about this, the responsibility of having to battle for the Western Conference title, that seemed like it was too much for the Jets, us, right? I mean, there's no other way to look at it right now. I don't think this was a team that got fat and lazy on its press clippings, but they didn't find a way to get better. And a couple months ago when the Jets were in that spot, Minnesota looked like they might not even make the playoffs themselves And now they're battling for first. So it's a long season. There's a lot of ups and downs and swings. But right now the Jets are looking for their next upswing. And although they've had a couple of moments where they look like they might be taking those steps, like the game against Edmonton, but even in that game, Jack Campbell didn't supply strong enough goaltending. You know, in the game against Florida, the Jets had a couple leads that they didn't hold, but they found a way to get it done. I thought they were pretty good against Tampa Bay. They did a very good job of limiting the top line, which we know Tampa's also going through a bit of a funk right now, Huss. They're, they're barely any time removed from benching their own top line 
for the third period of a game. And then the next night they didn't respond, but they were much better since. So teams go through these different you know, ups and downs. But the other thing for me, Hassan, and I know you know this. So Wednesday when my flight was delayed, I made a point of getting down to Scotiabank Arena to watch two periods of two of the Stanley Cup contenders, the Colorado Avalanche, who have been playing very, very well as they've moved up the standings, and the Leafs, who even themselves, the Leafs right now look like a team that is ready for the playoffs to begin, but they need to elevate their games. See, two teams that are we see as high octane, they played a very low-scoring game because those are the kind of games teams will need to play in order to advance in the playoffs. So a lot of teams are making adjustments. I think the Jets look like they've made those adjustments in the last stretch of games as well. But they still need to put a. They need to clean up a few things. If they clean up a few things, yes, they can compete with these top teams also. But they need to do it with consistency during the 13 game stretch, or else they could be looking at a long off season of regret. No, there's no doubt about that. Ken Weaver's with us. Weaver, um, what, what's going on with Pierre Luc Dubois? Yeah, Hus. I mean, I, I don't. This is interesting to me, and I, and I know that. Scott was just on here saying that he doesn't think it was a concussion. So for me, I, I'm on the opposite side. It, it, the reason why I think, and I don't have proof of this, but let, if we're following the bouncing ball, Pierre-Luc Dubois was injured in the game against the San Jose Sharks. And I asked Rick Bonus flat out if it was from the hit from Mario Ferraro, and he said yes. So if Pierre-Luc Dubois is dealing with, and I'm not saying that he can't be doing this, but in most scenarios, Huss, if you're dealing with a shoulder or a collarbone or some upper body issue, it wasn't a crazy hard hit, but it was an awkward hit. So if you're dealing with a upper body issue that requires some level of treatment, you're on the plane and on that road trip, Huss. But if you have a concussion or post-concussion symptoms or whiplash, you're not getting on the plane, which I think also maybe explains why he went from being a game time decision to being scratched against the Minnesota Wild. So the plan was for him to be a game-time decision, but I don't think any of his symptoms came up until the Tuesday morning, which is why he finished the game and was on the ice when the hurdle goal was tied. So the thing about concussions, it's not like a sprain or whatever else. Concussions don't have a strict timetable. But I guess the question is, and this is why Billy brought it up, and I have to say I sort of agree. I read Um, the quotes. Since since when do they just say it's up to the player? I mean, with concussions. I mean, you're either good to go and you're cleared, or he's he's obviously been cleared if they're comfortable with him playing. Um, It just seems very strange that it's up to the player. And and I could understand that if there was a nagging injury or something, he didn't know whether he'd be able to be able to go, but um, it's a lot different than the way most of the other concussions have been handled if this one's just being left up to the player. Well, I, I think too, and in some of that is context. I mean, I, I saw the full quote from from Rick, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't put as much stock into the words. Yes, I know he said it was up to the player, but here's another example of when it's up to the player. So we're at the skate in Raleigh, Huss, the morning skate the other day. Josh Morrissey is going to be a game-time decision. He went through the normal routine he was with Neil Pionk. At the end of that skate, he had a five-minute conversation with athletic therapist Rob Millette. And I don't uh, whether Josh said, I don't feel quite 100%, or if he said, you know, I'm not quite sure, that's where the player has to let the athletic therapist know. And I, I know Rick said it's up to the player, but ultimately there still has to be the element where it, it's a it's a it's a 
combined decision. It's not as simple as the player saying, yes, I'm ready to go. But this is also part of the problem. And this is what we talk about all the time. If there was a little bit more, and I understand players don't want to be, you know, targeted a specific area with injuries, but here's another example where transparency would be helpful because now you're not left to guess or hypothetical, have a hypothetical about whether it's a concussion or a shoulder or something or an elbow or, or whatever the case may be. And I don't, I understand why people would be up in arms and would be, you know, thinking maybe this is something that it's not, but I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois is not going, yesterday Huss, he was in the morning skate on his regular, or his regular line with Kyle Connor. It, it's not like he took the morning skate and then said, you know, I don't really feel like playing. Obviously something was bothering him, whether that was remnants of the concussion. I, I don't think in this case that it was the concussion still lingering because then he wouldn't be on the plane. So that's what causes the complication. And I understand people will say, oh, well, he's just protecting himself because he wants a big fat contract in the offseason. Pierre-Luc Dubois had a great year. If he wants to really cash in, the best thing for him to do if he's healthy would be to lead the Jets into the playoffs by being as productive as he was in the first 50 games. So this isn't a guy just saying, you know, I don't really feel like playing down the stretch. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a competitor. If he could play, he would be playing. And I think the other part about the context of what Rick was saying, he wants him to be able to make sure he gets through the game. So you you don't want to be in a situation where, yes, you're trying to try to gut it out. And then on the third shift, the guy gets hurt. Now the Jets are playing 11 and 7 on a weekend. They've got a back-to-back with two Central Division opponents. But if he can play, he's going to be playing. He's not going to just say, yeah, you know, I don't really feel like playing. I mean, that, that, that that's not what, that's not what's happening here. And I, I know that's not what you're suggesting us, but no, no, I, do, I do agree that this is a great example of transparency would be helpful in this situation because then it would eliminate a lot of the other question marks and speculation. Well, hey, quickly, uh, assuming that Dubois, let, let's say he comes back tomorrow or on the weekend, yep. um, are we? Will we see Connor back with Dubois? Because um, I would imagine that Rick Bonus would have maybe done that earlier, right now, considering the power outage of uh, of Kyle Connor. Well, that's what they ran in the in the morning skate yesterday. Yep. Us. It was Wheeler with Dubois and Connor, and that obviously put Ehlers with Shifley and Niederreiter. So I have no other you know expectation other than that was the that was the plan. Had he been able to play, so yeah, I do think that they are going to go back to that and. We know Kyle Connor has been at his most productive over the last two seasons while riding shotgun with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's able to use his physical frame and and bring defenders to him and create opportunities for him in a little different manner than Mark Shifley does when those two are together. So, yeah, I do think those guys would be back together. And obviously that's interesting. I mean, you know, I know you've debated it. Uh, we've debated it on our show. It looked like that meant Nemesnikov now goes on to the checking line with Lowry and Appleton, and then Barron goes down to the fourth. But, I mean, we'll see if that's actually the case because, well, quite frankly, I've, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from Nemestikov and Ehlers also. So there's a lot of options at the disposal of Rick Bonus, but not all of those options have led directly to goal scoring right now, which is why I think the blender could be getting quite a few, uh, you know, quite a few turns in this next little stretch here. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. Um, the one thing I don't think is going to be blended very much is the uh, decision on the starting goaltender. Um, I don't know about you, but I mean, think considering what we saw last week in the back-to-backs and the fact that he didn't play against Carolina, 
I know we'll see him tomorrow afternoon, and I would imagine we'll probably see him on Sunday. Uh, might Connor Hellebuck just basically play every game? Rick Bonus has said they're in the playoffs right now. Well, you're playing your best goalie in, if you're in a playoff game right now. Um, when do you expect we'll see Big Save Dave, or is this going to be a long run of Hellebuck to try to get the Jets to the finish line? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the weekend goals, and obviously with the t- standings tightening uh, again here, Hellebuck will be busy, but no, I don't see him making 13 starts. Huh? So, I mean, I see 10 plus, uh, maybe 11. I think that there's an outside chance we would see Riddick on Tuesday against Arizona unless the Jets get swept on the weekend. Then, yes, go Hellebuck. But, yeah, part of the reason why Riddick started on Thursday, I think, was to leave the door open for Hellebuck to go through his fourth back-to-back here on Sunday night, especially with afternoon game followed by a night game. And then depending on how those games go, and we know Arizona's played well lately, but here's the thing, Huss. If a team can't play its backup against teams like Arizona, then they should have a different backup. So, and Dave Riddick has, even though he's given up a couple of goals he would like back in his last, let's say for sure, three you know three of the four starts and maybe four of the four, he's still given them quality net minding. He's got nine wins. And I think that we may see him on Tuesday. If the Jets don't do well on the weekend, then, you know, that plan could be moved. But I understand the Jets fans want Hellebuck or bust, but if running Hellebuck or bust means running him into the ground, then do you want that? If, I mean, you want him to have some gas in the tank when the playoffs arrive. Now I understand the Jets have to get there first. I'm with you, Huss, but I think that Riddick's going to get two starts at least down the stretch here, depending on how the team plays in front of him. Well, listen, Kenny, we're looking forward to the game tomorrow and uh, certainly looking forward to you and Sean doing your thing afterwards tomorrow afternoon and Sunday night. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up next week. Have a great weekend. A happy St. Paddy's Day. Don't get too crazy tonight. It's an afternoon game tomorrow, Ken. Yeah, don't worry. I will make curfew tonight for sure. And I hope, I'm sorry I didn't get back in time for the wrestling. It looked like it was just an absolutely uh, tremendous event, Huss. Uh, I'm guessing that you uh, enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, we had a great crew. We had an amazing time. It was Wish quite the spectacle and quite the show. And um, uh, it would have been great. But uh, you were busy uh, working, uh, getting those air miles and uh, getting back in time for uh, the game uh, tomorrow night. Ken, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, you bet, Huss. Thanks for having me, and uh, I will be doubling down on what Mike McIntyre said. Uh, get on the Bobachette for MVP watch on the Cool Bet lines, my man, on the weekend, and enjoy the football talk. Uh, pretty interesting times with uh, Mr. Rogers bringing his neighborhood to the Swamplands in the Meadowlands. Well, we're going to get uh, the latest on all of that with Hacksaw coming up in just a minute. Take it easy, Weaver. Um, Cheers, my man. Uh, we will be um, uh, talking a little football. Of course, we had a great chat with Wade Miller yesterday on the 2025 Great Cup coming to Winnipeg and uh, just counting down the days for training camp to get back to IG Field this year. Of course, Princess Auto as Wade mentioned, is the uh, place to be the Princess Auto tailgate zone before every Bomber game. Princess Auto, huge sponsors of the Bombers. And, of course, curling in Canada, along with um, some of Manitoba's best teams, including Reed Carruthers, who, by the way, just added Brad Jacobs on a permanent basis yesterday to Team Carruthers. That is huge news. We'll have to talk to Reed about that in the coming days. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Big shout out to our great sponsors at Culligan Water. 
family owned for over 65 years in Winnipeg with everything you need, including water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue or find out more on what they can do for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com. And hey, of course, it is St. Patrick's Day, uh, but if you want to keep it Canadian when you make your trip to the MLCC, make sure you pick up Canada's favorite Canadian rye, the classic Canadian club. Uh, By the way, CC and Ginger now available in single 473 milliliter cans. You can find those at uh, Manitoba Liquor Marts or your local beer vendor. If you don't see it at your spot, make sure to ask for it. And uh, of course, don't forget a week today, flash sale CC 12 year reserve on sale for just 24 and change down from $32 regularly from March 24th to 26th. And tomorrow, the 41 year reserve of the Canadian Club Chronicles available in very limited quantities at your local Manitoba liquor marts. All right. We will have marbles coming up in a minute. <clears throat> we've talked a lot of Jets. Excuse me. We've talked a lot of Jets today, uh, but there is a lot going on in a wild week in the National Football League and had to get our resident expert on all things sports, Mr. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton back. Saw, great to have you back on. Missed you for a couple of weeks, but uh, whoo, we got a lot to talk about coming out of the uh, first few days of the new league year. How are you? Hey, Hustler. Uh, if I look frazzled, yeah, I am. What an unbelievable four days in the National Football League. My head is about to blow off my shoulders. There's so much to cover and to keep track of. Uh, in the first four days of NFL free agency, 105 players changed teams, and we had five significant trades, and we're, of course, waiting uh, for the parameters of the Green Bay Packer New York Jet trade to take place. Uh, It's absolutely stunning. A lot of this is driven by salary cap issues. I think the shocker to me is not just Aaron Rodgers saying, I'm going to the New York Jets, do the deal. Not just Ezekiel Elliott uh, being released by the Dallas Cowboys because he refused to take a massive pay cut. But I think that the shocker to me is the star teams that were in the playoffs, January into February, 49ers, Kansas City, Eagles, have all taken massive hits in free agency. And you would think, A, teams would want to keep some of their key core players, or B, key core players have had the taste of the playoffs in the Super Bowl would want to stay. And instead, guys are gone everywhere. San Francisco has lost nine players. Kansas City has lost six. Philadelphia has lost an entourage of people from their defense. So, I mean, this has just been a stunning four or five days in free agency and virtually all the big names with the exception of the Baltimore quarterback have signed contracts to go elsewhere. So uh, something's amiss, something's changed, or maybe it's just all driven by half the world's got bad salary cap problems. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Let's start off with Rogers. Uh, He uh, kept everybody waiting, then went on Pat McAfee and said, hey, this isn't about me. I've told them I'm going to the Jets. So what's the holdup? Uh, and, and what do you expect the compensation to be once this finally gets done? Compensation is a piece of the holdup, and finagling and moving money around in the Jets' salary cap department is the second piece of the conversation. Uh, I was told Green Bay wanted number one, and the Jets said, no, we're not trading <clears throat> number one for a 38-year-old quarterback. Green Bay came back and said, we'll take a two, which I think is like it's a, a steep price. 
but you do it. But then Green Bay came back a third time and said, actually, we'll take a two because he's going to play this year. And if he signs an extension to stay, we want another two. And I think the Jets backed away from that and said, two number twos is too high for a 38-year-old quarterback, regardless of how long he plays. The financials, he's got a 58 million dollar package deal that they've got to restructure and spread out over a couple of years to help the Jets with the cap. I think they'll get that done. Green Bay's taken a $40 million pay hit this week, the minute that trade is consummated. But they got Jordan Love and they've had him for three years. They believe he is ready to be the starting quarterback. But the Packers are kind of wiped out of doing anything in free agency because of the cap hit they're going to take. Next year, they're going to have more money than God to spend. So uh, the, the Rodgers thing to me is stunning. Uh, I think the issue is, did he not learn anything from Brett Favre and how Favre handled his business and then how Favre went to the Jets? And that did not work out. And I think the other item is is just the fact that he had a good relationship with Matt LaFleur and they run a lot of games. And now that thing is all coming apart at the seams, you know, he's lost his tight end. Robert Tanyan's gone to the Bears last night. Uh, yesterday afternoon, Alan Lazar jumped from Green Bay to the New York Jets. So suddenly, because of what AR did, all these other guys are leaving Green Bay. So, and the Packers are frozen because of the salary cap hit they're taking. So that's a big storyline on the Green Bay. And I would assume in the next couple of days, we'll get the compensation terms and we'll get the financial data. Well, and it is what is interesting about all of that is the fact that, you know, reportedly Green Bay has been all in on moving Aaron Rodgers out and turning the page uh, and moving over to Jordan Love and seeing what they have in a guy that they used that pick, probably foolishly considering the way that pick could have been used elsewhere to help them win in the last couple seasons. But it certainly is a uh, a big, big part of this offseason conversation. Well, while we're talking about quarterbacks, Lee, we have seen plenty of QBs move around. I mean, uh, you want to give us a quick trip on the quarterback carousel right now from your perspective? Well, aside from Rodgers, I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, the first domino that was going to fall was going to be Derek Carr. Yeah. I was surprised he went to New Orleans, but he's got a relationship there with that head coach. I thought he was a perfect fit to go to Green Bay with Frank Reich, but then I'm not Green Bay, Carolina with Frank Reich. But then Carolina made the trade to get the number one pick in the draft from the Chicago Bears, so they're going to take a college quarterback. Uh, but as soon as Carr, that domino fell, then I thought a lot of other things were going to happen very quickly, and it did. Garoppolo wound up with the Raiders. Everybody that I had communicated with said Garoppolo's going to the Houston Texans because of past relationships with D'Amico Ryans. That did not happen. He relinked with Josh McDaniels. Of course, they were in New England in Jimmy G's early years. Uh, Sam Darnold has kind of bounced around a number one pick who's, I think, a great physical specimen, but just had a lot of injuries, gone from the Jets to Carolina. He is now the only healthy quarterback in the building with the 49ers. <laughs> so he's going to get a chance to probably play there early on. Uh, Baker Mayfield is landed in Tampa Bay on a low-money contract. Uh, I was on another talk show, and they asked my opinion about what's happened to make Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is Doug Flutie, and I think the big issue is the more these smart guy defensive coordinators compile video on people, you know, you ask your Blue Bomber people about that, you'll figure out things, how to defend a quarterback, and you'll figure out how to take his strengths away, and you'll figure out how to put him in bad situations. And I think that's what's happened with Baker Mayfield. The longer he's played in the league, people have figured him out. So he's on a, a probably a one-year rental in Tampa. Jacoby Brissett, who I think is a very serviceable veteran quarterback. You know, he was an emergency guy in Indy, then in Cleveland. 
Uh, Brissett has, has signed a contract. He's gone to Washington. He might be the starting quarterback for Ron Rivera's team right now. Uh, Taylor Heineke, who is a real serviceable Washington starter, has gone to uh, Atlanta. He is he's going to be the backup to the kid quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Uh, Andy Dalton has bounced into Carolina, ex-Bengal star. New Orleans has moved around recently. Uh, he's going to be either the starting quarterback in Carolina until the first-round draft pick is ready, or he will be the counsel forever the first-round draft pick as Carolina takes off the top of the board. Uh, Jared Stidham, who the Raiders kept talking about, we like him, we like him. He's gone. He's left uh, Las Vegas. He's gone to Denver to be a backup there. Uh, to Russell Wilson with the Broncos. Uh, and uh, Marcus Mariota just signed with Philadelphia. Gardner Minshew's kind of bounced around. He's landed in, the, in Indianapolis if they don't get access to the top pick or the, one of the top picks in the draft. And maybe the surprise one to me is Mike White. Uh, you know, I thought he did really well as a young quarterback under fire with the New York Jets. He had a couple of big 300-yard games and evidently read the white writing on the wall and decided, I'm not staying in New York. They can have Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and he's gone to Miami, and he's going to be the insurance policy if Tua gets hurt, and Tua always gets hurt. So I think it's it's really been a, a wild first week of free agency, and the only big name that's left on the board is the guy in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, and that is so complex to figure out. So that's a summary of what's happened at the most important position the NFL quarterback. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's with us. Uh, Hacksaw, you mentioned Carolina getting Andy Dalton in the first pick uh, last Friday was the big trade of the Bears moving off a of number one to Carolina for a haul of picks and DJ Moore. Um, just thoughts on that trade and maybe a couple of the other actual trade transactions we've seen in the league. I would say win-win for both. Chicago, uh, Hustler, has, has turned their roster upside down. Had a lot of cap space, had the most cap space of anybody on the planet. I think they've signed nine free agents, and some of these guys are younger veterans who can play and have had success other places. But I think Chicago, obviously, trading down and stockpiling more picks is a real positive. From Carolina's perspective, boy, did they pay a steep price. D.J. Moore, pretty good wide receiver. Chicago had no wide receiver, so that helps them a great deal. Uh, by, but by giving up four picks, you know, a one, one next year plus a two and a three, that's a lot of currency. So they, they're going to have to hit the jackpot on the right quarterback, and this is what this next month is going to be all about, will be the pro days, the private meetings, the whiteboard sessions, for them to find out whether Bryce Young is the real deal or whether he's too undersized, too frail, or whether C.J. Stroud, who's a big, strong stud, can really be a good quarterback because he tailed off the second half of last season at Ohio State when their run game went away. He just was not the same quarterback. But they got Frank Reich, who I like a great deal as an offensive mind. He's got a world of experience. I thought he got screwed in Indianapolis. I thought he was out here with the San Diego Chargers, and I just thought he was a real bright light guy. So it's going to take them some time. Andy Dalton is a good rental uh, to help the kid. I don't think whoever the kid is, he's going to be the starter unless, unless they're blown away by what they see on a whiteboard and his ability to read defenses and progressions and do all the other things that young quarterbacks have to do to be good right out of the gate. So I, I think it was win-win for both. Hey, uh, just before we go, Haxel, i got to ask you about uh, Austin Eckler. Um, but he's gotten permission to request a trade. Um, you know, he's been a very productive player when he's been in the lineup. Uh, you is, think? Is this, is this just the Chargers don't want to pay a running back on the big extension and uh, or letting him see what might be out there? Um, 
This has not gone down real well on the West Coast. I tell you, in Southern California, it's not gone down well at all. Uh, You know, this team is so close, we think, to be real good uh, because of the quarterback, obviously, and Justin Herbert. They're in salary cap hell. They're in big trouble. And I'll I'll, kind of link this for your fans in Winnipeg. This is like Edmonton, and this is like the Maple Leafs, where you have all the young players, and they grow together, and all their contracts come available at the same time. And how are you going to spend that money to lock them all in? So you spend it and you re-sign them. And then three years later, you got more cap problems. And you go back to the young players and say, restructure down. Give me some breathing space. So they do that. But what happens is what you did in 2023 to find cap space for the Chargers is going to kill you in 2024. Both their wide receivers next year, because they're restructured, are going to have cap hits of $30 million. Joey Bosa is going to have a cap hit of $32 million, and Khalil Mack a cap hit of $36 million. This year will be the last year we'll see this Charger team the way it's structured because next year they're going to have to dump players everywhere. they got they got four guys, those four that I just mentioned, Hustler, worth $155 million against the cap in 2024. They're a mess. And Eckler, he wants a payday. He has been unbelievably productive, over 7,700 all-purpose yards, 80 touchdowns. And he's the 15th highest paid back in the league. And he plays hard. He doesn't get hurt. I think they're jerking the kid around. And if they trade him, I don't care if you get a number one pick. It doesn't, or a number two pick. You're, you're taking a huge chunk away from Justin Herbert's offense. And I think instead of being real close to being real good in the AFC, you're setting yourself way back. And we also know the reality. Next year, you're going to have to get rid of those wide receivers because you can't afford to have $30 million wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. They're in cap hell, and it's just a mess. But I think trying to equate what's happened in the NHL, that's what happens when all your good kids get get good and their contracts come up simultaneously, if that makes sense to you. Lee, great stuff as always. Enjoy the weekend. March Madness, lots going on. And uh, we'll catch up in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the draft and the dust settles. And maybe we'll uh, officially can call Aaron Rodgers a New York Jet. Thanks for doing this. Good to Hustler, good to talk to you. And check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, and uh, access my brand-new podcast, which, like your show, is blowing up. Yeah, it's on YouTube, folks. Make sure to give Hacksaw a sub when uh, you find him over there on YouTube. Thanks for doing this, pal. Have a great one. Thanks, Andrew. Have a great sports weekend. All right. There is our man, the legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, with us. Um, Folks, if you have just maybe been uh, listening but you're with us on YouTube. Marbles registration is open right now. We'll get to that coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, hey, while we're at it, maybe if you folks missed this a little earlier this week, I'm going to throw this into the chat right now. This is the link for sports trivia at Little Brown Jug. We did our first event towards the end of last summer. It was a huge hit. It was so great to see everyone come out. We're going to do it again. All new questions hosted by yours truly, but seating is limited. Remo's pinned it up at the top of the uh, of the YouTube chat, so make sure to click on that. Get on over to the link. Reserve your tickets for Sports Trivia on the 29th. Grab some friends, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Speaking of Little Brown Jug, um, they've got a great new product, the Generic Lager. 
It's your basic lager, just better. Impressively standard in the best way. Light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with a light beer. Uh, single, 473s or 299 or 19.99 for an 8-pack. Very competitive pricing for a local beer and even some of the big national staples. Generic lager available now. We'll be able to try it on the 29th. In the meantime, pop by Little Brown Jug just in time for the weekend. St. Patrick's Day, get your favorites tonight. I'm sure it'll actually be quite fun down there this afternoon. Um, and, of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca or pick it up at your favorite vendor. Uh, and, of course, a huge thanks to Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. We're waiting for this damn snow to uh, leave, and then it'll be more of the good kind of blizzard season, but it's always a great time for a blizzard at one of the uh, four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you do need a DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it made to order, ready for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, great stuff from Hacksaw. Lots of Jets talk today with Scott and Ken and two massive games on the weekend. But, Remo, before we get to the weekend, uh, we got to get a little marble race here on a Friday afternoon, St. Patrick's Day style. There we go. Yeah, great seeing so many people in here today. I mean, hey, we're heading into the biggest weekend of the year for the Jets. So if you are here, hey, help us out. Hit the thumbs up. Hit the subscribe. Over 350 today. I do have to add for the podcast listeners, winnipegsportstalk.com slash links. And you can get on the uh, link for the ticket. And if you're watching later and you don't see the chat, um, it's in the description of the video. All of our relevant links are in there. I got to make sure I add add that in. But, yes, this is a great Friday, St. Patrick's Day. I got to get some of that generic lager this weekend. I'm pumped. pumped for it. Not going to make it green, though. I'll, I'll just I drink it normally. <laughs> I can't wait to. I can't wait Anti- to try it. Well, hopefully the beers will be celebratory after yes. a couple big wins as opposed to uh, beers of frustration. Uh, by the way, <laughs> shout out to Elliot down at the Barons Hockey Tournament in Grand Forks with the fellas. Good luck in the tourney. And uh, But hey, no matter where you are, it's always time. You make time to get in on the marble race. Got some friends down in California tuning in today for this. And uh, if you're watching right now from outside of Winnipeg, Manitoba, let us know where you're at in the chat. It's always fun to see where everyone uh, everyone is. Um, all right, just last call for marbles. We'll close this up in just a minute. Remo, do you want to do you want to play the clip from uh, last yes. yesterday's broadcast? Yeah, How about this this was pretty cool, Hustler. And we do have to mention this. Uh, the Jets showing Runway during intermission on TSN. And if you haven't seen Runway, it's on their YouTube channel and uh, website and app and all that. But uh, basically behind-the-scenes look at the, at the season. And yesterday's episode was on the trade deadline. And they include, you know, clips for a little narration, a little color. They had some Paul Edmonds. And they have used Winnipeg Sports Talk clips before, but just audio. And yesterday was the first time this season I've been watching a game, and I've seen your face in intermission of a Jets broadcast. It was absolutely incredible. I never thought uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk would ever be shown on TSN in my life, considering uh, how we ended up here. The irony. Yeah, and again, I don't know if, 
like the Jets just sent it in and the people at TSN didn't really understand what was happening, which I'm sure they had no idea, the higher ups there, but um hey, I thought they didn't it, care. We've spread our wings since the old radio days. No big deal. They're not gonna care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think that they would, but I wonder if you know someone's like, ah, we really screwed up letting these guys go. Anyways, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll shut up here. I'll shut up here. But shout out to Sarah, who I know um, goes through the time codes I put in the description to see what we're talking about, and she's grabbed clips for them to use, and they credit us, and you know we credit we use their clips as well, you know bringing you the coach bonus and all that stuff here. So that was so cool to see during a game broadcast, and I do have the clip, so I can shut up and we can just. Ed Mark, because I don't think you've seen it because you were at the game. No, I was at the game. My phone just blew up at the intermission, and I was like, what's everyone talking about? And then got a couple photos that were picked. But yeah, let's see what this was from uh, the latest runway, which was the uh, intermission feature yesterday for the Bruins game. Our goal is to stay in that playoff or in that playoff position. Less than three hours till the final gun. When we see what, if anything, the Winnipeg Jets do to help their chances this year and uh, potential player moves that could uh, affect the team going into the offseason and to next year. Look at that. Wow. We've made it, Reem. Wow. WST on. Uh, anyways, but uh, yeah, a big thanks to Sarah. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, when they asked to use uh, some of our content for their stuff, we were more than happy to say yes. Um, anyways, that was just nice. And thanks to everyone that either gave me shots or um, sent a text about it. Uh, it was plenty of uh, plenty of, uh, of fodder for that. Bullish Bradley, there is a uh, marble race, and it's coming up in just a minute. Uh, Remo, you want to, uh, um, do you want to um, uh, close it up and sure. uh, we'll uh, get going? Who else is here? Yeah, the runway series has been awesome. I mean, really, really great. Um, I mean, a great addition to uh, all of the content that they put in. I can't say enough. I mean, obviously, the addition of what Sarah's doing has been great. The entire social media team at the Jets have really stepped up. Uh, they have not slumped in the second half of the season like maybe the team on the ice has. Yeah, I'll say that um, my favorite part of yesterday's episode was one Scott Brown picking up Nino at like 9.30 from the airport, but also Chris Kriviasek calling Nemesnikov and uh, arranging a car. He's like, you need a car? And he's like, I just call an Uber. He's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll get you one. I don't know. I enjoy I was very curious. What kind of car was it? A limo? Was it a town car? Uh, what did they get for Vlad Nemestikov? And I think Nemestikov was so, like, you know, thrown off by the trade. Like, when he gives him the initial salutation on the call, I, I don't think it was uh, received, <laughs> received just because... There's so much going on when you get traded, I'm sure. Especially when you go from, you know, there was a shot of him at the end of the game just sitting on the bench just like, ugh, like, again, we didn't score in. I saw people on Twitter commenting. He was at Tampa only a couple weeks ago where it's sunny. They've got a real cup contender, and now we're here where you're, you know, had 80, 90% playoff odds at one point, and now it's down to uh, You know what, hey. I got no issues with Nemetsnikov, and I think he probably is taking advantage of, yes. I mean, this is a guy going into, you know, being a free agent, the opportunity to play up in the lineup, to play significant minutes in a far more important role than he was playing in Tampa, probably something that he has welcomed. Certainly, he's looked good on the ice. Both of the additions coming out of the trade deadline have been huge, huge pluses. 
Now it's time to get the rest of the fellas uh, all in line with Nino and uh, and Nemetsnikov. And bottom line, get some wins starting tomorrow in Nashville with a one o'clock game. Uh, all right, Remo, let's uh, do this. Uh, Let's get a little Tristan Rivers to warm things up on a St. Patrick's Day afternoon, and uh, then we'll do the race. Well, do we do cool bet lines? I think we did the cool bet. Oh, okay, sure. I'll get. You want to do that while do that while I end the end the names, and then perfect. Don't you want to talk about March Madness? You didn't have uh, Princeton in your bracket. Listen, the March Madness, the March Madness right now is my exclusives because we did it again last night. Avalanche to win uh, the Seattle Kraken to win. And what was the other game? Oh, and the Arizona Coyotes to win. All came in plus 615, making some people some money this week in the Cool Bet exclusives. And right now, the one from yesterday or Wednesday, the uh, Make the Cut Parlay, very much alive as we get down to uh, the end of round two over at the Balspar. As far as tonight goes, though, in the National Hockey League, four games. Sabres and Flyers in Philly. Buffalo's a minus 147 road favorite. Hurricanes and Maple Leafs. Should be a good game. Leafs minus 121 faves. Blues and Capitals, the first of Jordan Bennington's two-game suspension. He'll also miss Sunday against the Jets. Caps minus 176 favorites. And uh, a little Bedard Bowl, if you will. The Blue Jackets and Ducks going at it in Anaheim. Anaheim, a slight minus 113 favorite. Still no lines yet for tomorrow's games, although I wouldn't be surprised if that Jets-Preds game gets hung up relatively soon. Um, And a full slate of action in March Madness. You can find out the uh, odds for uh, all of the games. Make a little parlay if you want. And World Women's Curling Championship gets underway. I did... Throw a little sprinkle on our girl, on our women from Manitoba, Carrie Anerson and the Canadian champs. They are the favorites at plus 180. Switzerland at plus 250. Sweden plus 500. Canada does play Sweden tomorrow in their opening game. One o'clock Winnipeg time. Carrie and the girls minus 182 favorites. Sweden plus 140. And Canada... Minus one and a half on the rock lineup, minus 106. It's all there for you at CoolBet. If you haven't used the promo code, uh, if you haven't played there before, when you're making your first deposit, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus uh, up to 200 bucks. And make sure to check out the CoolBet exclusives because I have been, uh, as I said, on fire this week. Uh, 2-0 and with the hockey parlays, 1 plus 530. Yesterday's was plus 615. And hopefully, if things go well with Adam Hadwin this afternoon, uh, a plus 400 make the cut parlay for the uh, the Valspar. We'll have more stuff coming up this week. And a regular programming of the Lock Shop will return next Monday when Dusty's back from uh, his week with the kids at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's do this, Remo. How about a little Tristan Rivers music to set us up for the St. Paddy's Day Marble Race? It's
All right, the original version. Been a it while. Been a while. Since seen it. Yeah, Candace Jane, there it is, the OG Marble Race throwback. Damn right. What up, Candace? Say what's up to Trevor, uh, Tristan for us as well. Had to get the classic on every now and then, but it is great to have so many different versions. Those amazing songs that Tristan gave us for Christmas and uh, and all of you. Uh, all right, Reem, uh, how many marbles we got in here today? And uh, should we uh, should we add one in for Jericho and Kenny Omega? Okay, we have a uh, hundred ninety eight marbles in. Beautiful. From the chat, uh, someone said add Chad Postumus, the Sea yes. Bears first Perfect. signing who was here. Yep. Sea Bears signed a second player today, but uh, oh, did they? Oh, Chad, Chad will Chad will always be number one, and the first ever Sea Bears guest on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, yeah, and I think we give Jericho and Kenny Omega marbles after their incredible performance in the homecoming show of AEW on Wednesday. Sure. Anyone else? Anyone else that we need to hand one out to? Oh, Bud Grant. Great call, waiters. And you know what? We should do one for Don Callis, too. By the way, you wouldn't have seen this because you weren't there last night at the game. But... Um, the uh, the guys behind the scenes at the Jets recorded a whole bunch of like hype things with the wrestlers. Oh really? Oh yeah. At one point, it was Kenny Omega and Don Callis during a break doing the and Kenny's just a mat. Like think about this, he's just doing it on a green screen to no one, and it was just a masterful. You can tell these guys have been working crowds their entire uh, their entire life. Um, and then some really neat ones with Jericho as well. Uh, and they did that in addition to the St. Patrick's Day themes. Uh, and a lot of people loved that. A lot of people at the game last night were making their second visit in two nights to Canada Life Center after the big show on uh, on Wednesday for AEW. That's so cool. Yeah, I remember they had the Jericho ones. I love hype videos because I watched the LA uh, Kings games and they had like Cartman doing his Go Kings Go they've used for a long time. So nice that we can get... Speaking of, I was watching the Kings game on Bally Sports West yesterday, and when they were on the power play, they started using turning on the puck trail on the puck, and I loved it. It reminded me of the glow puck, which I thought was amazing technology and uh, was looks really cool, but I went on Twitter only to find I was in the minority, and I'm going to retweet the video. Everyone tweeting at Jim everything. Fox. I'm with you. I, I think it's cool. I've seen them use that on a couple of occasions with yeah, some different games. It was this cool. Year I'm here for it. I'm going to reach you because everyone's tweeting at Jim Fox. Like, what the hell is it? Like, everyone thinks that they're too good of a hockey fan. We don't need a we're too we're smart hockey fans. We don't need a puck trail. I can see the puck. And like people would say it's too distracting. Distracting from what? The puck that you're trying to follow while watching the game? <laughs> really didn't make any sense to me. Hustler, so. Hockey fans some are some of the worst gatekeepers in yes. all of professional sports. Uh, and it's not good for the game, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I loved it. I, I, I'm with you. Would love to see maybe a few additions like that to some of the uh, the uh, the uh, jet broadcasts. All right. Uh, where are we going today? Yeah, and it needs to go like red and like pink when it goes really high speed. Like it's not just enough to have a regular puck trail. Sorry, I'll, I'll turn on the marble race. Yeah, people want uh, people want me to up. get into like a rant at the end of the show. I have to like come prepared. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a good one. That was mine. That was mine. I'm gonna. Cass, and I'll tweet Cass the is video. not down. Cass is not down. Puck trail is trash. But that's what's the reasoning? I think it looks. <laughs> Chris cool. Vermette, this, this will piss you off, Remo. The glow puck would mess with the board ads 
it would be chaos. <laughs> yeah, Borat, it's funny. Like I'm, I hate board ads, which have gotten less annoying a, a little. But the puck trail, I love. It, it's I don't know if that's an oxymoron or contradictory, but I don't care. Is there any um, is there any like St. Patrick's Day or uh, Irish um, Irish tracks? What do we have here? Yeah, I was looking for like pot of gold or rainbow something green thing that makes your mouth green, but no, I don't see that. Well, the House of Pain, House of Pain was a. Uh, is there a House of Pain? What's that? Is that? I think I just saw one called the House is, of Pain. Why is that a St. Patrick's Day thing? Remember, jump around. They uh, they were like a bunch of Irish dudes from uh, from Boston. They had was it? Irish imagery and all of. They were stuff. Irish. Yeah. Oh, I know jump around. And then, hold on. Will Sutton says, how can you like the glow puck but not the board ads? The glow puck was amazing technology in 1996. I thought it was so cool. It was ahead of its time. Board ads but, are late. They're they're lame. That's what I think. Don't get Remo going on the board ads, people. We'll, we'll, the marble race will happen at 4 o'clock if that is the case. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I got to save our, our Milston names here. Yep. Don't we Save want the, the new names in? I never saved them. Oh, the new ones, yeah. Kenny Omega, Don Callis, Chris Jericho, R.I.P. Bud Grant. Yeah, I put I put them all. People are saying they don't Ready. agree with me. I was like, I don't care. I know I'm in them. I know I'm in the minority when it comes to Puck Trail Hus. Hus with the huge reach. Oh, what are we talking about? The House of Pain? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, go back. I mean, the entire, everything about their songs on that album was about them being like drinking Irish dudes from Boston. So not not quite the Dropkick Murphys, but you know what I'm saying. Look, and, there wasn't a blatant, a blatant Irish reference of one of the marble tracks. Had to do, had to make do with what we had. Yeah, let's check this one out, though. I don't think we've done this one before. Um, but let's make sure that it's... Uh, it's a, a proper track for our wonderful marbles competitors. By the way, shout out to our friends at Shipman and Associates. We've got what is this? This looks like it's in the middle of a field. Yeah, I want to like look around. Can you? Uh, like, but anyways, our friends at Shipman Associates, the hoodies are ordered. They are being made. We'll probably have them in the next week or two. So if you've been a winner in the last uh, couple of weeks. Waiting on your size, give us another couple, and uh, we'll uh, have uh, we'll probably set up a big pickup for uh, for everyone. Um, all right, were you able to uh, to check it out or? I can't uh, I can't see what it is, but want to try to start it quick and then take a look around. Um, I can't like look; it does not letting me. Well, is this the one what? that's I... like just straight? Well, I have no. I don't think we've ever done this one before. Okay. Tell you what, let's just go. If it looks like it's terrible, we'll make an executive decision early to stop and change the race. But uh, otherwise, uh, good luck to everyone. St. Patrick's Day marbles on WST in the House of Pain. Uh, looks kind of cool. All right, let's see what happens. The House I'm, of Pain. I'm here, here for this go. one. Yep. We got the Plinko start. Long one. What do we got coming in here? These actually, I do like these ones. Oh, Dustin, Dustin with a big, big uh, race, like didn't get touched at all. 
Yeah, what a else lot do of we obstacles here. here. The top? Yeah. I see Dan Jetspan in there. Oh, Mitch WHT just got thrown over the top rope. See Leslie Misnux in it. Dustin Vosper still looking pretty good. Ben uh, Ben Gay or Ben Gan? Ben Gan, yeah. Ben Gan. Ooh, Ben Gan. Oh, Ben just went right through. That was perfect execution. Okay, this is where it's going to get tough. Who can make it through this obstacle? Ben did it again. Ben is looking good, but it's getting pretty tight. Oh, who is that? Todd? Todd 18. Todd 18. Todd 18 looks like he's going to get it done. Although, who's coming up? <clears throat> Todd 18 gets it done and is the winner. Another Todd M in the top three. <laughs> Quite the, uh, I mean, not a bad, not a bad race, not particularly long, but um, certainly there was enough of obstacles where everything was, was interesting at the end. Uh, but yes, Todd 18. Atomic, Kevin and Jay right in there in the mix. And uh, Instant Noodles, one, two, three, <laughs> coming up just short. Um, a great, great finish and a great performance by everyone. Todd, 18, your winner. Instant Noodles, one, two, three, second. Todd M was three. Dan Jets fan, four. Atomic, five. Manny Fran with a nice performance. In sixth, seventh was Daryl Morosky. Eight was Theo Seegers. Nine was Dustin Vosper, who was had a great start in uh, Superior CD, number ten on the list. Well, uh, we'll wait to get everyone in here, and then oh, we are getting uh, some fire at the end. Brass Bonanza might get burnt. Ryan, DJ Twenty Two. Will somebody get burnt or will they all get... Oh, it looks like the guys are going to get in. Brass Bonanza and then DJ22. Um, right on. All right, do, do a quick rundown for uh, those sure. that may have side wagers with friends as to who... Uh, I think who we can it. agree. That was a great... I thought the race was good, but everyone's saying too short in, in chat. But I thought I thought it was entertaining, and there was definitely suspense on who was going to win. Yeah, yeah, no, pretty good track. Would be nice to have a little bit longer one. We'll keep that, we'll keep that um, you know, under under advisement. Um, Hugh Achenko, Hugh just won. Finished uh, 11th this week. Pretty good. BA split with the top 20 finish. Tyson Ducharme. There was a guy that had a good time at wrestling. Bud Grant up there. Nicely done. Who do we got here? Christopher Met, Cowboy. Shout out to Cowboy. Saw him rocking the uh, WST bomber version of uh, the hat a little earlier this week uh, out in the town after the game. There's Dan Wilburn. There's Hack. What's up, Hasbeek? 58th. Not too bad. Let's see here. We've got uh, Brown Eyed Girl. Chris Jericho in, uh, in its seventh. Nicely done. Gitch Lishka. We saw Gitch last night at the game. Good to catch up with him. Mike Wynn, who was part of the uh, representing Section 316 last night in one of the intermission promos. The St. Patrick's Day, what do they call it, the marathon or something like that? Cool thing where they had like a race, stick handling race on the ice with, uh, uh, you had to follow the uh, follow the, the rainbow path on the ice. It was uh, It was very well done. Um, oh, there's Don Callis. He got in there as well. Dea at the end. How many people else got uh, got bounced? SK and Bardo. 
Dom Zappia, what's up, Dom? Dallas Pauls, very loyal. One of our, our Ross, favorites. There's Ross. Low down there for Roscoe. Tony Pop, free Oleg. Nicely done, Oleg. Kabilis, one eighty nine. And then who got who got bounced? Mitch, Poopy Pants, Gary Lavoisier, Adam, Pretty and Peon, Kochi fifty one, and Chad Posthumous. And. You should have seen Chad. It was after it finished. His marble went flying. It was pretty funny. <laughs> if you watch, go watch the replay like right after it finishes. You can, I think oh, that must have get... been. He may have gotten burnt and uh, got thrown up by the uh, by the fire. Anyways, good marble race today. Todd, uh, our winner, Todd, Todd18, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk.com. Uh, or sorry, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Let us know what size you are. And uh, if we've got your size currently in stock we'll hook you up if not be a couple week wait before our friends at ship and associates get us hooked up with the new versions of our master's green jacket but you get it for not winning a golf tournament for winning a marble race at the end of the day uh, all right before we go remo what do you think can they grind four points out of this weekend or what oh yeah for sure uh we need this we need this win here we need to have a good show monday yeah, and what better way to have a good show Monday with back-to-back wins? I think Hellbuck starts both; they win Me both. And Riddich starts Tuesday. I'll be honest; I agreed with um, a lot. Ken Ken said. I kept writing in chat. I'm like, wow, Ken's really dead dead on today. So I I'm going with double back-to-back wins. Always play the Blues tight. Going to Nashville for sure. We're gonna start feeling good. The playoff percentage is gonna go up way up. Feeling good today. It certainly will if they can win tomorrow and then uh, do it again on uh, Sunday night against St. Louis. First things first, tomorrow, 1 o'clock p.m., Jets and Preds. Enjoy it wherever you are going to be taking it in. And uh, just make sure you don't have too much fun tonight so you're good to go for that early puck drop tomorrow afternoon. Uh, For those of you that are on Sirius XM, I'm going to be jumping on tomorrow morning, uh, 11.30 Winnipeg time with Dennis Bernstein and the fourth period, guys. So uh, if you're out and about or you're listening to Sirius, check that out. We'll be talking lots of Jets before this big weekend. Um, And then we're back at it on Monday, wrapping the games on the weekend, looking to the Jets being home for one game against the Arizona Coyotes, and then back out on the road down south, taking on the Ducks and Kings in a monster week with their playoff position on the line. Folks, thanks to our guests today. Billick and Kenny were awesome. Always love having Hacksaw and all of you for making us a part of your day. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Do us a favor. Tell a friend on the weekend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, where they can find us. Show them how to subscribe, and hopefully we can continue growing. We're uh, hit 8.85 thousand or 8,850 subs, getting closer to 900, so uh, or 9,000, I should say. Hopefully we can do that in the next few weeks with your help. Uh, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Happy St. Patty's Day. We'll see you Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.